More states, including Illinois and Connecticut, plus the District of Columbia, are set to roll back mask mandates this week. The CDC has new guidance showing infection rates low enough that about 70 percent of Americans can now consider removing masks. But as NPR's Yuki Noguchi reports, some businesses are still uneasy and making their own policies. Connecticut's statewide mask mandate goes away this Tuesday, but not within the four walls of Stacey Glazier's salon. Because I'm a private business, it's my rules. It doesn't matter what the town or the state says. It's my rules. Glazier left her old hair salon and opened a one-woman shop in Hamden during the pandemic. She figured it would be safer. Plus, she tired of losing money every time stylists got exposed. I don't want to have to close my business again. And I do not believe we're out of the woods. It would be irresponsible and foolish. Most clients understand, she says. She's parted ways with those who don't. I did have a client that tried to give me some pushback. His wife is a nurse. She's a COVID nurse. And he was giving me a hard time about wearing a mask in here. As of March 1st, indoor mask mandates will remain in only three states, Washington, Oregon, and Hawaii. The CDC pegged its guidance based on local hospitalization and new case rates. But polls show the country still split over mask mandates, mostly along party lines, which means there's still a patchwork of masking on the job and in daily life. This is something that comes up in almost every conversation I have with my patients. Dr. Vivek Cherian treats hospitalized patients in Chicago. He says many worry about Illinois ending its mask mandate after this month. They're just kind of uncomfortable where we are right now in the pandemic, even though things are looking much, much better. But they're also seeing 2,000 people are still dying every day. How risky unmasking is depends on many variables. Abra Karan is an infectious disease doctor at Stanford. It's not a binary of whether they work or don't work. Certain masks work much better than others. Effectiveness depends also on things like ventilation, humidity, and, of course, how well the mask is worn, which is why Bill Duggan never saw a point to requiring masks in restaurants or bars like his in the first place. It's become kind of a joke, or at least theater, you know, because people have to wear a mask to walk through the door, but as soon as they have a drink or eating anything, then they don't wear it. Duggan owns Madam's Oregon, a landmark blues bar in Washington, D.C., Indoor mask mandates expire there after Monday. He says they've been ineffective and hard to enforce. He says the city should have focused instead on mandating vaccines for indoor diners. In fact, his bar still checks vaccination cards at the door, even though the city no longer requires it. He says that's where the battle ought to be fought. I had one of my closest friends, as well as a musician that's been with me for 28 years, he died on November 4th. The friend didn't want to get vaccinated. Truthfully, it got me pissed off as well as heartbroken. Meanwhile, across most of the country, mask mandates are a thing of the past or never existed. Missouri never had a mask mandate. In Kansas City, where Christopher Cecil works, mandates expired a couple weeks ago. Cecil owns a restaurant called The Campground. So we've just kind of been um, in no man's land trying to figure it out ourselves. Cecil still requires proof of vaccination and strongly recommends masks indoors, in part because he's a former nurse and has a daughter too young to vaccinate. Some customers pushed back. But on balance, he says, the policies have helped business. I feel like now we've kind of whittled away all the guests that would have been problems for us anyways. So now 
it almost feels like our clientele is coming to us because we're doing this. For example, one customer came in with her family. She's battling terminal cancer and doesn't know how, how long she has. They haven't gone out in probably the last like two years, but they came here because they felt safe. It also helps, Cecil says, because unlike neighboring stores, he and his staff haven't closed because they haven't gotten sick. Yukinaguchi, NPR News. On this flight, my crew had just completed our service. My colleague on the verge of tears came to the galley after a passenger who refused to wear a mask had been giving her a hard time. I left the galley to speak with the passenger. Politely, I asked, sir, would you please put your mask on? It must be covering both your mouth and nose. He looked at me, and I will not repeat the epithet he used. He said, N-word, I don't have to listen to a damn thing you say. This is a free country. I was completely taken aback. I didn't know what to say. But he continued, you heard me in word, boy. Airlines need more pilots. They face a shortage. And as they recruit more, they would like cockpit crews to be more diverse. Here's NPR's David Shaper. For airlines, the problem isn't just that they don't have enough pilots. It's who those pilots are and how they got there. Historically, they are white men. And they either came out of the military or there was some family uh, connection to aviation that got them into flying. And that has been the the majority of the makeup for decades. That's Allison McKay, who heads the group Women in Aviation International. She says today only about 7% of airline pilots are women. Only about 1% are women of color. And not being exposed to people who look like you in certain professions can have a huge impact. As a little girl growing up in Jamaica, Ricky Foster never dreamed of becoming an airline pilot. And it still seemed far-fetched, even after moving to the U.S. and working in the industry. Well, I was working as a flight attendant. I saw black men, not a single black woman. I saw white women, but not a single black female pilot in 10 years. But the 38-year-old mother of two became friends with pilots who encouraged her to try to become one. And after Foster went up on a discovery flight, she was hooked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. But I was like, oh my gosh, I can't afford it. (laughs) So I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm too old to start trying to become a pilot. So, But I really love it, so it's just going to be an overpriced hobby. Going to flight school and building up the 1,500 flight hours needed to fly for an airline can take years and cost $100,000 or more. And the expense forced Foster to stop. But about a year ago, her friends told her that United Airlines was opening a new flight school called United Aviate Academy here in Goodyear, Arizona, outside of Phoenix. United pays some of the hefty upfront costs and helps secure loans for student pilots by guaranteeing jobs to those who complete the program. Foster was one of 7,000 initial applicants and was accepted. Pre-flight check was complete, weight and balance within limits, emergency equipment is on board. And now, five days a week, Foster sits at the controls of this Cirrus SR-20 airplane next to flight instructor Aiden Zabogalski, firing up the single engine of this four-seat prop plane. All right, we'll see. We got no tie-downs, we're all clear, so you can go ahead and start. Good luck. Foster seems at complete ease as she guides the plane down the taxiway and onto the runway and then takes off on this training flight. She's one of 30 student pilots at Aviate Academy's first class, 80% of whom are women or people of color. Another is 19-year-old Jimena Perez Arroyo. 
Aviation kind of had always been a dream of mine. It, it, it just did not seem like a possibility for being a woman, for being an immigrant, for for being Latina. You know, it was just not something that I ever saw portrayed. Arroyo was born in Mexico. And for most of the people that I had grown up around or anything, like, airplanes were not just something you you got into very often in the small town I grew up in. It was just like kind of what rich people did, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> But after moving to California when she was 10, Arroyo got her first taste of air travel and loved it. And she took an introduction to aviation class in high school. And she wanted to go to flight school, but... Just looking at a local flight schools, it's about almost 100K. Almost 100K. So it's a lot of money. There's no uh, federal aid for it, you know? With United helping defray the costs, Arroyo is now on track to be flying a regional airline jet by the time she's 22. And she could be a mainline United Airlines pilot just two or three years after that. Arroyo says the training can be nerve-wracking, but also empowering. And it also shows that no matter your background, you're as capable, even if you're a woman, even if you did not grow up with all the same opportunities as other people around you that are doing this now. I think it just, it just comes to show that that it is a possibility, you know? Other airlines are stepping up efforts to knock down barriers to flight school and training while diversifying their pilot ranks. They're offering more scholarships to university aviation programs and flight schools, sometimes guaranteeing jobs to pilots who complete training. Delta Airlines is partnering with historically black Hampton University, adding it to the airline's collegiate pilot career path program. And Alaska Airlines has teamed up with the nonprofit Sisters in the Sky to hire more black female pilots. Efforts like these allow a student like Ricky Foster to make a dramatic midlife career shift, though it's temporarily taking her away from her 17-year-old son and 6-year-old daughter. She says it's an important example for them, especially her daughter. Every day I think about what it means because the fact that I'm making these tries and I'm doing this, she knows it is possible. United Airlines plans to have 500 students a year go through its Aviate Flight School and is committed to ensuring that at least half of them are women or people of color. Already more than 12,000 prospective pilots have applied. David Shaper, NPR News, Goodyear, Arizona. The stars at night are big and bright. Where does that happen, Ray? Deep in the heart of Texas. Nine black workers sued a Dallas company for discrimination. A jury agreed in a $70 million verdict. The workers, along with a white co-worker, spoke up about the racial discrimination they were seeing in the workplace. Joshua Yarbrough says he knew something was up when he noticed newly installed cameras in the offices of the Dallas Telecommunications Equipment Company where he worked. It was 2018, and the 34-year-old Fort Worth man watched as his black colleagues at Glow Networks Incorporated were reprimanded for checking their phones during work and were moved away from one another in their workspaces. He noticed his non-black co-workers didn't get the same punishment. Of 11 rooms in the office, two were monitored by cameras, and that's where black workers were told to sit, he said. The African Americans were pushed right in front of the cameras, and we realized that we were watched closely, said Yarbrough, a lead engineer at the company. Yarbrough found out he was being replaced by two employees with less tenure and telecommunications experience. His replacements were not black. He was demoted to an engineer in the group overseen by his replacement. So he resigned. We decided to take it in our own hands and actually go to court and really fight for something that we really believe is not right, Yarbrough said. African Americans deal with this type of thing every day.
So Yarbrough and nine other former employees sued Glow Networks and its parent company, CSS Corporation, for racial discrimination. A federal jury in North Texas this month agreed with the workers, awarding them a total of $70 million in damages. Glow Networks, a Delaware corporation with its main office located in Dallas on Preston Road, performs engineering, installation services and consulting for telecommunications companies. The company was acquired by CSS Corporation in 2010. Glow Networks Incorporated is extremely disappointed in this jury verdict as we do not believe it comports with the law or the evidence, Dharmjeet Tonk, global CEO of Glow Networks, said in an email. Glow Networks prides itself on maintaining a diverse workforce free of discrimination slash retaliation based on race or any other protected status. We are currently exploring all available avenues on appeal. In court documents, Glow Networks denied exposing the former employees to a hostile work environment and said it exercised reasonable care to prevent and correct promptly any harassing behavior. Of the 10 former workers, Many had complained about discrimination to Glow Networks Management and the company's Human Resources Department, but no action was taken, their lawsuit alleged. Matt Laughland, a white team leader who joined in the lawsuit, said he had recommended two black employees on his team for promotion. The lawsuit said neither was promoted. When the company went through a series of seniority-based layoffs, high-performing black employees were laid off instead, he said. Laughland, 34, was told during the layoffs that Human Resources instructed his manager, don't lay off any white people, according to court documents. He immediately complained to his manager, who took it to Human Resources. Laughlin was demoted less than two weeks later and eventually resigned. Everybody's equal and the same, and I'm just kind of a personality who has been the kind to stand up for people, Laughlin said. Peter Tijani, another former engineer at the company, said the discrimination black workers faced was not noticeable at first, until his colleagues spoke up. Tijani was terminated because of his race, according to the lawsuit. So was his brother, Paul? I don't wish for anyone else to go through that kind of trauma, Tijani said. Since discrimination complaints filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission can take considerable time to resolve, Lawyer Brian Sanford said the ex-employees chose to sue using the Civil Rights Act of 1866, the first federal law to define U.S. citizenship and protect different races. All of the workers who sued went on to find other jobs after leaving Glow Networks. Sanford said that's why they only sought punitive damages and compensation for emotional distress. The jury in Plano awarded each worker $7 million in damages. They were sending the message, Sanford said. Don't do this in the 21st century. Stop. Juror Amber Kirkham, 21, of Allen, said she didn't know what to expect for her first time on a jury in a federal case. It's just really rewarding and kind of restores faith in the justice system, Kirkham said. When you're applying for a new job, one of the obvious considerations is salary. But as a prospective employee, salary ranges are often hidden, and even asking about pay structure and benefits can count as a knock against you. One study found that 23% of hiring managers are less likely to hire an employee who asks about salary, making assumptions that they're selfish and won't be a good team player. So what are some ways to solve for this sort of hiring bias? For starters, how about making salaries public? That's the idea behind New York's new wage transparency law, which will take effect in about a month. 
Starting on March 15th, New York City employers with four or more employees must list salary ranges as part of a job posting. Here with me to talk about the new law and potential barriers facing interviewees are Teresa Gillarducci, professor of economics and director of the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School, and Relly Durfler-Rosen, associate professor of management and organization at the University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Professor, professor Durfler-Rosen, I want to start with you. Uh, you authored a study that found that when job applicants ask about salary, hiring managers display something called motivation purity bias. What is that? And while you're at it, can you explain the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation? Because they come up a lot in your study, too. Yes, of course, and thank you for having me here. Uh, so first, yes, to explain the difference between these kinds of motivations. Uh, intrinsic motivation is motivation about the task itself. So being excited to do everything that is about the task itself, the learning and so forth. While extrinsic motivation at the workplace is motivation around things that are around the task. So things that come with doing my job, like my salary, my benefits, the flexibility, location, and so forth. Um, and what we find in this study, uh, which we call motivation purity bias, is that despite very robust evidence that intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation are actually positively correlated within individuals, and more importantly, extrinsic motivation actually works in synergy to strengthen with it, together with intrinsic motivation to make motivation and performance better, despite a very rigorous scientific evidence, hiring managers usually fall prey to what we name the motivation purity bias. So they expect job candidates to show pure intrinsic motivation only to show that they're interested in the job itself. And when a job candidate asks about other features of the job that are extrinsic in nature, and we also emphasize that we don't talk about asking for more, but just basically getting information or signaling that they're happy with what the company is offering. Immediately in the hiring manager's head, this is a signal that probably they are less intrinsically motivated, mm. um, which, which then leads to about 20% lower likelihood of them actually hiring this, this candidate. Um, and, and again, we call it bias because it deviates from what we actually know happening in reality. Um, and we also theorize that this is probably due to this fact that people have more simplistic views about how other people behave and think. So when I think about myself, I'm aware that I'm a complex person, so I may love my job. So I do love doing my research and teaching. Um, but I also appreciate the extrinsic features of my job, the flexibility that comes with academia and so forth. Um, and it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to have this complexity. But when I think about another, another person, I will tend to think in a more zero sum, either or. So, oh, so they are actually interested in other things of the job. They're probably not that interested in the job itself. I think your study also found that this sort of hiring bias affected women with childcare responsibilities and low-income individuals more than other groups. Can you just talk a little bit about that? So we didn't empirically um, show this finding. We do talk about this in the paper as a very important um, implication 
of our findings. Um, again, we don't have we don't have, have evidence for this. We didn't explore it yet, but we do theorize that it is probably the case uh, that uh, and 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 also by the way, anecdotally, I'm teaching negotiation for the last ten years, and I do have very frequently female MBA students who want to know, for example, about maternity leave policies, which is perfectly right, but they are afraid to ask because it might signal something, and it's not being pub pub publicized. Um, so, so we so we do we do theorize about how people who are either coming from a lower social economic status or for which financial uh, uh, they are more financially vulnerable, uh, they might actually be uh, more inclined to just ask about those things, and rightfully so, um, and you know inadvertently might be penalized or discriminated against. And the same, mm -hmm. like you were saying, with women, women who do, in most cases, still bear the the main. Caring for the kids, especially in early childhood or infancy, they might be more interested in those um, extrinsic features of the job, like flexibility or maternity leave policies. They might ask for this more and as a result be penalized. Uh, former uh, council member Helen Rosenthal, who was the author of the city's wage transparency bill. Uh, good morning, uh, former council member. How are you? Good, good. I'm so glad you're covering this issue, Bridget. It's incredibly important for all the reasons that your guests have stated. Can you talk just briefly about the genesis of this bill? Well, of course, I had my own experience where uh, when I first started working for the city over 30 years ago, um, my male counterpart with the same title who happened to start right around the same time that I did uh, he and I were having a nice chat, getting to know each other, and he told me his salary. I told him mine and noticed that his was $5,000 more than mine. And he sheepishly said, well, I said to them that I was about to start a family. Um, and so hmm. I needed the additional funding. So it's always been on my mind to do a lot of it, uh, about this. But of course, experts in the field like Bev Newfield from Powher, New York, and others were just terrific in helping it all come together. Thank you so much for, for chiming in in this conversation about where the bill started. I want to I invite some of our callers to join this conversation. Um, Amy in Glenridge. Amy, welcome to WNYC. Do you have a question for our professors? Hi, I just wanted to make a comment um, that I had spent over eight months looking for a job, both in New Jersey and New York City, um, and finding that frustration with, you know, negotiating the salary. I'm a divorced um, single mom, um, so obviously that's something important to me. And the, the place where I've ended up accepting a position where I am now is out of my sector. It's actually in the nonprofit in New Jersey, and they were upfront right away about the salary. Um, and it was, you know, hey. maybe a little bit lower than, hello? Yeah, no, I'm saying that's good. That's really amazing. It, it just made the process m much easier to navigate that everyone from the beginning was on the same page. And I was so appreciative, especially because it was in a nonprofit and, you know, a lower salary than what I was looking at for corporate jobs. But um, it, it was it was definitely it got the got the elephant you know out of the way. Yeah, um, 
the research research shows that a big part of the relationship between an employer and employee is trust, and having that salary up front actually helps the candidate and the um, and the interviewer develop that trust immediately. Um, it also happens in unionized settings, or as I said, in public employment, um, is that elephant is out of the room, and I, I suspect that those those situations are it's a lot better initial uh, initial relationship. What happens also is in a pay transparent um, situation is that almost always the the worker or the groups of workers who have less choice in the labor market, and these are women and non-white workers who may face discrimination or um, difficulty um, moving from employer to employer, almost always are paid less for the same job within an employment. So uh, it's that initial um, uh, pay gap that happens because of pay transparency just gets magnified um, once hmm. um, once person are on the job and you can have equally qualified people working side by side for decades um, where the woman or the non-white worker is being paid a lot less and this was shown in a very dramatic way in the Lily Ledbetter case um, and this is a, a, a woman who worked at a Goodyear tire plant for 20 years um, and she only knew that she was paid less when she went to go retire, and her pension was based on a far less uh, um, base than um, than her uh, equally qualified uh, counterparts, who were men who worked in the same job. And she um, and and she had a Supreme Court case, and then um, was overturned because she had um, she had surpassed the statute of limitations, and then there was a law that said that these these laws, that these um, pay gaps can't stand. Um, but there's a well-known theory in economics called monopsony, which predicts mm. that in situations with pay transparency, the people who, are, who need to work, who have less bargaining power, who have less practice in bargaining, will always be paid less for the same job. Non-Clemson grad? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, well, I have a workplace story, but first I'll start by answering your question um, about um, whether or not um, I've ever relied on an application to get a job. And the answer is no. And I personally have never known anyone to do that. But of course, personally, I do feel like I've met people who have a job and feel like, are you qualified to be here? That's definitely been a question before. But um, I'll go ahead and um, recite my story. I didn't write it down. Um, let's see. Back on Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, I sent an email to my manager and the assistant administrator requesting a raise. My manager acknowledged my request and granted a meeting to discuss the request further. On Monday, February 21st, my manager and the assistant administrator met with me to further discuss my request for a raise. The meeting started with the manager and assistant administrator expressing their appreciation for my work. He said that he had the manager compare my current responsibilities to my job description and that my current responsibilities coincide with my job description. Though the assistant administrator said that my work and efforts merit a raise, the bureaucracy of the county made it unlikely, especially because of the amount that I was that I asked for. He also went on to explain because my current pay is already above that of a principal planner, there is no room for a pay increase. It was at this point I articulated my confusion about my pay scale level. 
The assistant administrator was under the impression that my current pay level is that of a principal planner pay scale. It was at this point I pointed out that I am not a principal planner. Instead, I was hired as an associate planner and within three months agreed to a lateral move from the long range plan to long range planning. I'm sorry, from long range planning to transportation planning, which included the same pay and a new title for the position I currently hold. At least this is the way that the director, then director, explained making the lateral move. Since my manager was still new to his position, he said he was unaware of the conversation I had with the director when I agreed to the lateral move. At this point, the assistant administrator said that such an oversight amounts to about a $4,000 a year difference in pay. Back in 2019, the county underwent an audit of its employees' jobs, titles, and responsibilities to make sure employees are appropriately titled and their responsibilities articulated. For my position, based on the way I filled out the questionnaire, my manager said he concluded my position to be that of a principal planner. But I was never told I was a principal planner, nor was my pay increased to compensate for this new pay skill distinction. It is worth noting that I've brought up the principal planner situation multiple times with my manager through the year starting back in September 2014. I'm sorry, that's to be 2017 or 2018. After bringing this to the attention of my manager and the assistant administrator, they said that they will look into it with HR to see where the supposed change occurred. My manager noted that before he became manager, he had manager responsibilities for two years. During that time, he requested a raise and was flat out denied. Before the meeting ended, I requested several things. What level was my original position, associate planner or principal planner? If I wasn't always a, um, if I, if I wasn't always a principal planner, when was I promoted to principal planner? What does that mean for my pay and that amount of time? At the end of the meeting, I requested a summary of the meeting so we all understood what was discussed, but the assistant administrator felt it was necessary and he planned on looking into it with HR. After the meeting, I also realized that that job description that my manager used to compare my job responsibilities was the description from the job audit in 2019, which was written using the questionnaire I filled out to conclude my responsibilities at the time. So I emailed my manager and the assistant administrator to ask what my responsibilities are now compared to what my job description was when I was hired back in 2014. Tuesday morning, February 22nd, 2021, my manager gave me a copy of my first job description from, um, for my job position when I started in 2014. And he reiterated that the assistant administrator is still working with HR to resolve the discrepancy. It is worth noting that the job description from 2014 is much less, I'm sorry, much less than the updated job description from 2019, so much so that most of my current responsibilities aren't on the 2014 description. Later on that morning, the assistant administrator called me into his office. The manager was there as well. The assistant administrator confirmed that, confirmed with HR that since my hiring, I have been an associate planner and at no point was I ever promoted to Christmas planner nor demoted. Then he proceeded to explain the pay scale to me. Currently, I'm a planner one, one whose entry level income is 47, I'm sorry, 49K and 2022 rates. Um, a planner two has an entry scale of 53K, 2022 rates. And I currently make more than both these scales. Nevertheless, because my job responsibilities have significantly changed since my hiring, and there's a pay scale for me to move up to, the assistant administrator and the manager agree that I should be that I should get a raise of five percent. And this raise is effective immediately after I sign I sign off on it. But this doesn't include any retroactive pay. Before signing anything, I asked that what um I asked what was told to me by my assistant administrator and the manager be included in whatever document I signed. 
I also requested that the documentation include um, when the responsibilities for my position took effect because of the job 2019 audit, because of, um, because of the 2019 job audits, and that I will be given um, given time to review the document before I sign. I thank the assistant administrator and my manager for their efforts, iterating that they have been patient with me and quick to resolve my my request. I also asked if they felt I was rude or disrespectful in my request at any time in this process, to which they both said no. And my manager added that at some point, people who work here have this request, and if you work here long enough, it may happen several times. So that is the end of my story, but I will add this. Before I um, send an email to my um, manager and um, my manager and administrator, um, I sat down and actually over the month before um, decided what I wanted to write um, to make sure my um, request was understood. So, for example, one of the things when I originally drafted my uh, my request letter was that I wanted a raise to principal planner. I decided to take out that specific language and simply focus on the money because uh, white people are very quick to give you a title with no money. Um, and then, of course, um, I programmed the email to go out um, the next day in my work email so that it would arrive um, in the work morning, the moment work starts for my uh, manager and my, and, and my administrator when they come into work at 8.30 in the morning. It was also a way to keep me from punking out um, from making the request. And then also it worked out pretty well for me as well too because even though it was programmed to go in to my, you know, be emailed the next day, Tuesday morning, my manager called out um, sick that day, so um, he still got the email the next morning. I simply responded to it away from the office, so it, at least for me, made it a little less awkward about, you know, with the idea of going into the office and requesting him, you know, say it in his face and requesting a raise. So uh, that is my story. That is exactly what I would expect a slave to say. We miss Brother Prince. No disrespect to Brother Prince. Matter of fact, I'm just, that's the record, isn't it? Isn't that what he had tattooed on his face? Slave. Victim of white supremacy. That's the way I should have said it. Victim of white supremacy. Prince. Context of white supremacy, the black O.J. Simpson, Gus T. Renegade, and for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, March 4th, 2022. So I have been told. Shout to uh, Kamisha M. Africa. This is our weekly summit, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Hopefully, we can offer constructive logical counter racist suggestions to help you solve problems in the workplace without creating new problems this broadcast is not for spectators not for spectators if you have figured out anything how to get a raise how to get extra vacation days 
Uh, if you need time off, spring break is coming up and you don't know what your children are going to be doing. They're not going to be in school and you got to figure something out. You need a couple days to kind of get all that situated. No problem. Take a week. Children are important. That's what they say. They're our future. That's the sort of support that you can count on when you make requests in your workplace. Let us know. Share with us. How did you do that? Did you use specific words? Did you quote policy and procedure? Help us understand. The number to dial is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, before we get to the caller, some of the folks who dialed in, I do just want to share really quick 13 years context of white supremacy. We just recognized our so-called anniversary, if you whatever that means uh, on the plantation. Uh, we've been doing neutralizing workplace racism as a specific program for six years now. And then we had it as a part of the compensatory call in before that. There are so many people who listen to the cows most people listen to the archives right uh, and that's the way I think it is with most programs that air live most people listen to the archives that said there are so many people who never call in don't participate or never participate in neutralizing workplace racism as soon as I speak with them the first thing that they voluntarily bring up frequently will be racism that they are experiencing in the workplace like this happens on a regular basis has happened for years in fact and they don't email either so I speaking to one person investor super generous and I mean psh, what can I ask uh, we're chatting it up and voluntarily I don't go in prying right you know trying to dig what's going around and none of that voluntarily and I think it was even prefaced, right? Another person saying, you know, I don't I don't participate in workplace racism for whatever reason. I just don't. It's not my cup of tea, you know, whatever. She says, uh, even before she got to the main story, she said, you know, when I started my, my job, I, I went in and they said, oh, you're the new secretary girl. She said, no, I'm actually the new HR girl. Girl, right? That We're reading Philip K. Dick's The Man in the high castle dr welsing says you got the man the woman and then you got boys and gals and negras and babies and even what we heard that in the segment today they were talking about the airlines He's, nigger boy called fanny lou hamer a nigger woman but we got the man and the woman so she says yeah i'm the new hr girl actually and she said the look on this suspected race soldier's face went from oh just jovial oh got a new negro okay right on to what you're not the custodian you're not cleaning H oh, what 
do what? I'm going to talk to someone about this right now. Like that was she said that was the total look on his face like surprise, disgust, racism like if she had just said yes to the first question. Yes. I'm the new secretary gal. Everything would have been fine. But oh, right on. So nice to have you. We love you. Have you ran here? My name is Sam and this is my office over here and come check on anytime if you need anything you get lost don't know where the toilet paper is or anything like that just let me know like that's probably how it would have been if she had been the new janitor girl the new secretary girl uh custodial girl anything else hr what that wasn't the main story the main story was or report man having to deal these racist co-workers surprise but i'm having to deal with these racist co-workers they're upset one of my white male co-workers said he was going to shoot me I feel like you could insert the rewind that I use right have used for years uh, the, the, wow pond the replay run that whoop, 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 like what <laughs> he said what now he threatened or said he was going to shoot me. I'm sad to say that we have had these types of reports of violence before uh, where folks have said, oh man, someone threatened to bop me or hit me or whatever else it is, some form of violence in the workplace. Unfortunately, since we have talked about this before, the recommendation that I always give you always take this seriously I've referenced Gavin DeBecker's book uh, OJ Simpson uh, where he has talked about this he has a whole chapter about this and says exactly what I just said you always 10 times out of 9 that's the way I meant to say it take it seriously you make a report you document and I say that is a police report every time and especially now like with the pandemic and the way that white people have conducted themselves for two years oh yeah that's a police report I wouldn't care what the job even said I would not and because of what she added she said the problem was not oh I reported this white fella and he's mad and you know he walks around giving me the stank eye and all the rest no 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 it was the other white people are mad that I reported Ted saying he was going to shoot me now they're mad they are walking around the office giving me the stank eye don't invite me out to things don't talk to me and the rest of it just look hmm telling on old Ted hmm he said he was gonna shoot me hmm I'm ready to shoot you too nigra <laughs> like dang <laughs> like what in the world I was flabbergasted uh, all I can say take that sort of thing seriously they would probably been uh, gossiping and giving you the stank eye anyway but certainly someone says that they're going to shoot you or any sort of threat of physical violence you report that every time and I even get back in a question form so do I think that contributes or do you think that contributes to a safe productive work environment you know I love that word S-A-F-S-A-F-E safe do you think this contributes to a safe professional working environment 
where employees threaten to shoot one another and let them give you the response and that's one like we recording documentation the whole shebang and then I'm still calling the police on that one to make a report threatening of I mean are you serious and that's one like now for real if it was a rental James white woman white man white child whatever I'm gonna shoot you are you serious Oh, Larentha was just joking around. You know he loves to tell a funny every now and then. Stop taking everything off. See, shoot somebody. He didn't, he didn't even shoot them. He had a knife. Let's <laughs> get a little OJ humor in there. Are you serious? That's a report every time. That's two reports, plural. One for wherever you work, and then the others for the police. Maybe three and one for yourself. Anywho, if anybody else has, uh, if you have been threatened with being shot in your work environment or if you have a code on how you deal with that uh, beyond calling the police for a report and reporting it to your job as well, let us know. With the reports that we heard via audio before I get to the callers and emails, uh, Gus T in one of the three states in the U.S. where they still have indoor mask mandates and all the COVID protocols still rolling March 2022 yes indeed you cannot go to any store any restaurant mask proof of vaccine all that they said throughout Washington State has had some of the toughest and I think even Seattle specifically has had some of the strictest uh, COVID pro uh, protocols throughout uh, can't say that I'm a fan per se but you know I might be ignorant maybe they have you know Maybe the white people here know better than I to keep us safe uh, over the past two years. But I do not support any of the mandates. I don't think they're going to be enforced in a just manner. Uh, but for the work situation, I still would not be cool being around people if they're just going to be breathing on me and touching me and being really close and that sort of thing. I probably would not be comfortable with that. Uh, if I worked in an environment where I still had the option to be remote work from home, I'd probably still take it. If I was going to be in the office, I'm not eating anything, not hanging out in groups. I'm probably not, you know, hopping back into all that uh, just yet. I would still uh, do your research, do whatever you need to do in terms of your safety and you do things that you need to to make your safety a priority. Don't let, you know, the actions, speech, conduct uh, of others, white or non-white, sway you to kind of have you not safeguarding yourself with regards to COVID-19 or anything else in the workplace. Uh, let's see. The situation in Dallas uh, documentation uh, where the folks won their lawsuit. Now, this was in the Dallas Morning News. Make sure I get the report. Can read a few of the details. Uh, yes, here we go. Dallas Morning News. Nine black workers sued a Dallas company for white supremacy racism. A jury agreed in a $70 million verdict. Uh, they got $70 million apiece. Now, there was at least one white woman in the suit that they said. Uh, so I don't know if that had uh, a bearing. Uh, but it looks like a lot of black males and then this white woman. Anywho, uh, so Mr. Yarborough, black male, said he knew that something was fishy. 
he walked into Glow Networks and they were reprimanded about checking their phones. Now, we've had, I think, caller in Florida at the courthouse has talked about this, as have others. When they have a policy in the workplace, no, you know, cell phones, no texting or making personal calls or whatever it is. Do that when it's your break or what have you. Okay. Black people, you see them, they whip out their iPhone and are texting away and all the way. Hey, 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 put that phone down. Verbal warning. Let me see it happen again. White people do this and it'll be a really soft. Hey, just a general group reminder, everybody. Let's make sure we're not on our phones. Working hard. Love you all. Kisses and hugs. Bye. Like, what? That'll be if a white person is on their phone. You heard. Nigger is on there. Yeah, ready to go get the whip and everything. Same type of thing. He continues. He said, man, it seems like they're directing the black people to sit in the area with the surveillance cameras. Why? Why do they want us to sit in front of the cameras? Now, I've said consistently, hey, I don't care where you work at McDonald's, McDonald's, Jack in the Box, uh, Globe Networks, whatever it is, CNN, wherever you work at Delta Airlines expect to be on camera audio recorded uh, even if it's other people just transcribing what you say and maybe doing an artistic rendition of your poses throughout the day or maybe they're taking screenshots whatever you should expect that I'm not saying that it's just what they were doing in this situation but just that's the way that I function like I wouldn't care other than restroom type of a thing but I mean hey record all day long you will hear me talking about policy and procedure Asking questions, work-related commentary. But shooing the black people. They said, of 11 rooms in the office, two were monitored by cameras, and that's where the negras were supposed to be. Say, that's, that's the segregated area. Hmm. That's not an accident, and that is beautiful illustration. Now, you telling me that white people them being ignorant about white supremacy racism that's what's resulted in all of the cameras somehow being piled up in the same room where the niggers were confined to that's that's the result of white ignorance about racism all right uh let's see documentation they did they're going to appeal so I'm sure they'll fight tooth and nail they'll probably spend like 140 million dollars to keep from paying these niggers and this white woman 70 million dollars uh, let's see and then they didn't give uh, promotions we've heard that as well they even said that they had a white manager who recommended hey these niggers have done really well I recommend these two for promotions duly noted promoting niggers right? where did you get this white man from what kind of niggers <sighs> nigger loving white man get a new manager for this section <laughs> like wow uh, and that's even odd there to have a white person that's willing to step forward in this sort of lawsuit and say oh yeah I, I recommended these niggers and they didn't even promote them standard operating procedure uh, next we heard about the program to enlist more female flight attendants I'm just pointing out the black misandry Rampant, oh, they got the helicopters going right on cue more pilots so that's guaranteed not a black person flying that helicopter that is going overhead right now guaranteed flying off into the Seattle dusk 
Uh, but they give that report getting more women. And I say every time they should just say white women because that's really who they're talking about. I know they interviewed some victims, seemed like she might have been born in Jamaica, and that's where they could get it. All the pilots were black males. Yes, yes. This is NPR. If this had been a Jamaican news outlet, I'd be like, oh, okay, right on. You can, you know, right on. We're trying to get female pilot. This is NPR. I looked at the data while they were talking all this nonsense about, oh, we need more women pilots. The number of pilots, yes, they are 85% female and basically 9% female. When you scroll down the number, let me have you give it two. So the number of white pilots, 86.5, it's probably more because the number of Hispanic or Latino pilots is 7.0 and they don't have that tacky uh, white and non-white Hispanic. So I'm sure some of those folks are probably classified as white too. Can speak a little Espanol and all the right. Planquito, isn't that what he said? So it's probably closer to 90%, if not above, white. And even you got unknown to 2.5%. So the number of individuals who are probably accepted, classified, able to function as white, who are pilots, is probably 90% above. The number of individuals who are black or African American flying a plane 1.6 even if that entire 1.6 was black males that's kind of low maybe we need a program to enroll non-white people period no just women that's another one where I call black Miss Andrew because you wait until the very end and they say that Delta's program they're trying to expand more diversity see if they can get women they should just say white that way we can hire like 90% white women and say hey we diversified then we pick up some Latina females who might be white some unknown females might be white pick up some black females some Asian females right on and then oh no a rental chain you hop on a plane and hide knives and raping women come back and get you later and when they talked about it I didn't even know the expense in all that training to get the 1.6 black African American pilots <clears throat> that you might have to spend $100,000 or more in training to get all the hours of flight time that you need to be fully certified and they said the people who would doing be doing this sort of thing oh do you have family relatives who've done this sort of thing oh this is pretty consistent whether you're talking medical field law field I didn't even know that was the case for aviation but oh system of white supremacy legacy they call it hmm generational wealth where you can even pass on an occupation and that's one of those I was speaking with Emmy who's in med school like you being Dr. Francis Cress Welsing third generation physician that's the tour those are the type of careers where you grow up in a household you're not your mom is not the janitor girl the secretary girl she's the pilot girl 
the type of books that you would probably have in your house if one of your parents is an aviator or a physician or an attorney wow areas of your brain computer that are activated at a young age you're thinking wow hmm. Dr. Welsing third generation physician so she gets that experience at her house and at her grandparents house now how many black people male or female can say oh yeah my dad was a pilot my mom was a pilot even worked at an airport like really white women that's what we'll have lots and lots of white women pilots and they'll say we are diverse committed to equity and inclusion uh, they continue now they gave us the segment and this segue right in they gave the segment on people who ask for a raise don't get hired now in my view some of that I look at with what they call a jaundiced eye even though I think that shouldn't be said because that's like colorized uh, I look at that with skepticism I, I am sure because they said the people who are skilled negotiators they've done this more information about all this individuals classified as white oh yeah they're going to ask questions about their salary negotiate they're going to know a lot more deep might even have homies who are on the hiring team who can give them specific pointers and know about the limits and things that you need to ask so that you can get the highest possible starting salary for this position that's not going to be the case for non-white people I would easily see me non-Clemson grad being penalized for asking for a raise or asking a whole lot of details about compensation and salary that's what I would see in a system of white supremacy and I wouldn't even see that for white women they can talk all that uh, about being pregnant and a whole nine I have seen lots of pregnant white women get jobs, even get hired while they were pregnant. Non-white females, black females in particular, I think they would be the ones who would really be having problems getting a job, especially getting a quality job in their field, advancing their career while pregnant, or that might be a potential obstacle right to them moving up the ladder as they say oh you know these nigger women like to have lots of bait that I could much easier that makes a lot more sense in a system of racism than white women talking about all that especially the very folks that they interviewed in that segment on New York Public Radio uh, Teresa Giraducci I hope I'm saying her name correctly she did a segment just a few about two months back where they talked about the same thing wage gap income disparity she said the income disparity for women would be corrected overnight with wage transparency. This problem would be solved. They even had the little tacky example. They had the female lawmaker who called in who said, I didn't find out till the end of my career that my male colleague, come on, make it plain. This wasn't Al Sharpton. This wasn't Eric Adams. It was not some black male who had been making $5,000 a quarter more than you make it explicit it was a white man who made five thousand or ten thousand or whatever more than you made and he makes more than black females and black males as does the white woman remember we had that tackiness with uh athena matua guest on the program 2016 black male privilege 
Uh, but yeah, don't come and talk to me about no nonsense with uh, that segment about who's going to be penalized when they come in and ask for a salary and tell me that, you know, you think that it's going to be women. No, I don't think that's the case unless you're talking about non-white females and probably black females specifically. I would see black males, non-white males, non-white people in general being subjected to those sort of uh, punitive measures. Uh, followed that uh, the segment we heard last week that was uh, non-Clemson grad again getting his uh, 5% raise excellent job just being focused I so encourage writing it down make a plan this is such a great time to request a raise uh, they have all these reports talking about labor shortages and we don't have enough employees they had a report this week on Business Insider talking about white people being lazy on the job and nothing can be done about it because they don't have enough employees to fire people so white people are saying hey I'm fed up I don't like it anyway you all have got on my nerves I'm gonna loaf instead of giving you the normal you know 100% give and go yeah I'm going to work at about 75%. I'm going to leave a little bit early. I'm going to come in a little bit late. And, you know, you all are already short staffed. So, you know, you do what you do. I mean, I can't even say I'm playing because that was basically what they said in the article. It was almost written verbatim that way. And they said that this was kind of a widespread trend. I'm not encouraging that. What I am saying, this is a phenomenal time to request a raise. And you do exactly the strategy non-Clemson grad laid out for us. Hey, write it out. What is my job title? What was my job title when I signed on? What is my job title and responsibilities currently? If it's grown, has my salary grown concurrently? You're still staying in the question lane and you got your data to prove. This is what I've been doing and blah, blah, blah and all the great time to request a raise especially if you haven't done so request a raise and I even love the plan in the email that way you can bam have it be the first thing that they see when they come in in the morning and still underpaid though he should have got compensation back pay because he should have got the raise a long time ago but neither here nor there the number again is 720-716- Seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email is untiljustice at gmail dot com. I'll nab uh, first few folks who dialed in with a hand up. Certainly, if you have figured out things that work well get that raise and what have you do not spectate you should be first one star six one to let us know what you have done to put yourself in a comfortable position on the plantation we would love to mimic uh, some of those creature comforts in the workplace so star six one speed dial for anyone uh, who is doing fine not being abused in their workplace if you have difficulties or problems and you would like some input feel free to share those as well uh, let's see uh, Bay Area mom should be with us. I'll nab uh, other folks who have hands up as I see them. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Greetings to greetings to you and everyone on the line. Oh, da, 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 da. Okay, my workplace racism. Oh, have I ever been threatened to get 
have I ever have any has anyone ever threatened to shoot me at work? No, but someone threatened to shoot my daughter at work. So I, I of course I get all the murder calls when someone's threatening to kill her, and uh, I have to resolve them. So it was a coworker. So when I called, when she called me, and I. Oh, okay, give me this guy number. So I called him, and I was just talking to him. So I just asked him what happened, that kind of stuff. And, you know, what was going on, let him know I was her mom. <laughs> no, okay, what's going on? So he he explained to me whatever uh, chapped his hide about, uh, oh, no metaphors, whatever made him angry enough to threaten to kill her. But he said he didn't say that. But he did. He just didn't know her mom was on the call. But, uh yeah, that was uh, children. So anyway, uh, my workplace racism. Um, oh, the pilots hiring more um, female pilots, white female pilots, of course. Uh, right, I it, I believe that as well. I don't. I'm sure they're gonna um, receive anybody that applies, and maybe even interview a host of people that are not classified as white. But I'm sure they're hiring will be white women or women that identify as white or look white enough to make the rest of the people feel comfortable. Um, my cousin's a pilot. Uh, he's a, what are those, Learjet? He's, yeah, he's a pilot, and he's been flying for a while, and it took him a long time just to get in uh, a regular, like, one of those commercial airlines, the TWA, because he was a private uh pilot and it took him years he was really trying just southwest just really trying to get in there they're like nope Uh, you know you look yeah you you do good we saw you do those figure eights in the sky but no we have some more and more qualified so it took him a long time it was so horrible but he finally got a uh got to become a pilot at a one of those regular uh Air, commercial airline, so yeah, it's tricky, even for the black males. So he's one of the fifteen percent. So anyway, I went to work. This is my first week back because everybody was on uh, President's Week off. So they took me away from the little black boy. I'm no longer invited to help him succeed. He's gonna have a white, the white lady. She's she wants him to be the playmate. You know, they have it set up. It's great because the, the other girl excels and he fell. I get it. But I have a connection with the teacher, so I make sure that he's not left behind. He's not lost in the, the dust, at least for the next three months. Um, <laughs> I, 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 they have me working my wonders with a Caucasian male who could be an engineer or something. It's so wonderful, okay? We need you to use all that uh, stuff that you have. Give it to him. So, okay, got that. I'll move on to uh, another school cause, because I do four schools. Um, my most complicated school is uh, the one with the lady that yells at the children um, and, uh, so I come in on Tuesday. She's always yelling at the children. 
everything's all over the place, and she consistently yells, and it's a high-pitched, annoying yell. Um, Tuesday, the black boy, the one who's going to rape all the little girls, watch him. <laughs> Apparently, I blinked because there's... there's <laughs> I don't, I'm not watching him. I'm not watching him. There's other children out there. I have other children on my caseload that are in this class, so I can't just watch him to make sure she doesn't assault others. So apparently I blinked, and he did a w, w, one of those little wrestling moves on one of the kids uh, in his math class because he goes to general education math, and the rest of this day is built in special education. So one of his general education, one of his general education math classmates, got that wrestling move. So I don't know whatever happened, but he was afraid to go back, go to that class. And he's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> like, oh. So of course I get the anytime something this any uh issue. So I gotta go do this. I gotta go do this. Gotta go do this. So I'm going to do all this stuff. Okay, what's going on? I need you to make him go to class. How can I make him do anything? I can't make him do anything. So I said, what's going on? And then he was trying to say something about somebody was picking. So I was like, okay, look, can we go check out the scene? Can you show me where this class is? And we go. So now the principal's in the class. I I don't even know what's going on. I just know something happened and he didn't want to go to class. So I take him to class. He's like, well, I'm not staying. I was like, okay, well, let me check out the thing. Let me see what's going on. So I go to the math class that I've never been to before. The teacher looking at me like, what? Are one of these kids are kids? So I, he had to come to me and I'm trying to see what's going on. So he knew a little about the situation. So I said, is there anything you can do? Because I want him to come to the class. So he said he would, he could sit in his other desk. You know, he already sits away. He doesn't really sit with the kids anyway. So he was going to let him sit over, you know, at his little station. So by now, the little boy gone. He ran back to the, his regular uh, special ed class. And so I'm like, uh, so I had to walk back and get him. And so he's talking to the other black uh, teacher's aide. And um, so she's trying to talk to him and convince him to do whatever. He no, <laughs> So he doesn't want to do it. So here I go. So I was like, all right, look, look. Look, if I go with you, will you go? He said, no. So I did my theatrics. I said, you know, I talked to the teacher. He was very upset. He did not appreciate that you were being picked up. And he did like this with his foot in my thumb. He said, that is no good. And I said, he said, if you go back to class, he's going to turn around. So he looked at me. And I was like, and I'll even go with you. Okay, so he went. <laughs> so we went. He stayed in the class. It really worked. He stayed. He did his work. <laughs> and I even terrorized some other children in the back class that weren't listening. And you can kind of tell the ones that he got into it with because they all looking at me like, who is she? And, you know, I'm always looking like trouble. Trouble, buddy. So it, it's great for me. So anyway, we go back to class. It was great. He was great, right? Everybody's great. Yay. Yesterday, because I only do two days a week. She wishes I did five, but I only do two, lady, because she shouldn't complain about me. She's calling these kids liars. You're a liar. You lie. You're a liar. No, you said you were going to do this. Keep in mind, third, fourth, fifth, 
grade special education class. Yelling, 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 calling these two little boys liars. So, of course, one of the kids, uh, one of the Spanish, look like he's Spanish. The other, uh, she can't stand him. And the other one is the one that was going to rape all the children on the um, school ground. I got to watch him. So she's yelling at both of them. When you switch the children's agenda, you have to let them know. I let them know. No, 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 no. When you switch their agenda, you have to let them know and make sure they know, reiterate it, because it's changed and they don't mind. Change like that. Come on, lady. Even though she complains that she doesn't have all of her credentials, she has more than I'll ever have because I'll never go back to school for this. So you've got enough. She's yelling, calling the boys liars, calling them names. All they were supposed to do is they got math on the computers now. You do your little math on the computers, they're even going to do uh, reading on the computers. Uh, now they have a program. So it's a, a few math programs that they do. I guess the state monitors it. So he go, he he doesn't need that. He goes to regular education for his math as a little black boy. They changed it for the day, threw him off. He wasn't ready. He didn't want to do stay in this class for math. He didn't want to do the computer math. It was, no, no, he wasn't going to get the computer math. He's going to get a worksheet. So he's going to get three worksheets, everybody else on the computer with headphones. He gets no headphones, no computer. And she was screaming and screaming. And then when I come in, she's really, I told him, she's screaming, 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 like I'm just going to jump in and get him. So I just ignore her and keep on doing So Can you make him do this? So I asked, and then, so then right when I'm trying to talk to him, she gives them, uh, tells the boy that she's calling a liar. He can help the little boy do his worksheet. And uh, this one time, there's no reason for him to help him do his worksheet because he can do his worksheet himself. So you're going to help him do his worksheet. So that means this boy doesn't get his computer math in. So it's as if he didn't do his math in the computer because he doesn't get credit for that because he's helping this guy do his worksheet. So I didn't say anything. I'm just looking. So, of course, they're not working. They're playing because they're friends. So they're playing around, just messing around, just all kind of stuff. So I, I pulled back because the teacher aide is there as well. So now they're transitioning. Teacher's assistant, she's like, I'm going to do what they pay me to do. And she went on her break and because um, sometimes we don't always take our breaks because it's so this class is so hectic she comes back she's saying such and such lied to me he lied to me mr such and such and i'm just like why what are you why are you doing this in stereo like this you can talk to her anytime about this if this is just such a big deal it's not even a big deal and she kept reiterating how the little boy lied to her and it hurt her feelings because he lied to her about not getting on the computer. He wasn't supposed to get on the computer. Just stupid stuff. It was just ridiculous. They could have used the computers. Now, just real quick, there's music to these programs, and their children wear their headphones to listen to whatever this sound is, whatever the tones are, whatever it is. They listen to it, everybody. They could have had the headphones on, listened to the music or whatever the sounds are, and still did the work. It didn't have to be that complicated. She turned into this big circus, and I just got up. And I'll say, hey, look, hey, look, lady, hey, look. There was no reason for you to yell and scream like that. 
I told him to put that paper stuff away. It's causing too much. He could finish this at home. Whatever these paper packets are, he can finish it at home. We've already transitioned into another class, and he said, by the time this starts, he's here. She said, no, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. I'm like, okay, look, for today, can we just let it go and let him do the math on the computer like the other kids? So you're just going to let him get away? So I'm just letting him get away with anything, and he just does what he wants to do, and he's just avoiding his work? I said, you're using buckets and buckets of words. The children don't even listen to you. Why? Are you doing this like this and yelling and screaming? It's not helping anything. Everybody's up. It, it, it tense, nervous. I always do this, and then when you make me feel better and I'm upset, I just do this because my feelings were hurt. Because- hurt for what, lady? Look, if you want him to do something, put it on the board right here. Okay, such and such. You got such and such to do this, this time. Okay, what time is such and such and such? And such? Boom. All right. Okay. You know, in 45 minutes, we're going over to do such and such. Okay. Uh, almost ready. All right. Count down to go to such and such. Come on now. Special needs. Well, I told him it's right over here. Now, whatever right over here is, it's in her section. You got to go way over. It's, it's nobody's paying attention to it. I was like, I, I would never look at that. That That's your stuff. I would never look at that. So from here on out, I need you to put it on the board. Reiterate continuously what's going on if there's a change. None of that Catholic school principal stuff that you got going on. Man, I understand. Thank you. Peace. That's the end of my workplace racism. Thank you for taking my call. You're just saying just buckets and buckets of words. Oh, my goodness. Mm, mm, mm. I guess given... Now that you've been there a while, so that you really are beyond just having a toe in the pool metaphor, uh, is this still better uh, work environment, better job than your uh, previous uh, place of employment where you were going to the different houses to help the young people, children? Totally better. Right on, right on. Bravo, bravo. Um, hmm. Hmm. Many things I could say there. Um, I guess since they've been talking, it's been 10 years since the murder of Trayvon Martin. That is exactly what the murderer of Trayvon Martin said 10 years ago. They always get away with it. You always let him get away with it. Letting black males get away. Letting black boys get away. Like, wow. We got to get him right now. 17, 16, 8. Right now. We got to get him. Black male privilege. Uh, I guess the other thing I was going to say, like, ooh. I am certain that those young people, those children, all of them absolutely will love and adore their parents for the rest of their lives for this academic experience. I mean, wow. Isn't this just amazing? What have you heard? You blew it. Remember that one? 
That was another one where it seemed like child was set up for failure. But you blew it. Can't go now. Nope, 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 nope. See, that's your attitude, man. Damn. You're a liar. Look at you, you little liar. That's in the code. Mr. Fuller says, don't even call racist white supremacists liars. Even when they lie all the time, you don't call them liars, much less an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old in a special education class, and you're calling them liars? Even if I think they did lie, like, man, do we have to call them lie? Like, honesty is important, fellas. We're already in a system of racism where deception is modeled daily. Honesty is important, right? That works. That's G-rated. You can say that to eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. I wouldn't be appalled if that was my child. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Honesty is important. That was my child, my daughter. Oh, yep. Yep. Honesty is important. That was little Gus Jr. Honesty is important. That's right. Not you little liar. What is wrong with you? You little liar. Class of the liars. What? Why are you to Oh, these are niggers. I got it. I got it. I got in. This sounds like the way who it's like another population you talk to that the prisoners. Right. Right. I love and I mean that. I love. She didn't say it was all dudes and patriarchy. The man. Nope. White woman. A white woman in her feelings. You come in just, hey, you have way more education than I do. You should at least know the fundamentals. Let's not set them up for failure. They like routine. That's what school was supposed to be about, right? Regimentation. They got the bell and everything. Every classroom that I was in from the time kindergarten through really college, I would say. But I mean, there is a very clear schedule daily and for the entire academic year about this is what to expect. And if something changes, you generally are notified ASAP. It is not some Oh, I know the schedule says we're supposed to be doing this on March 4th, but we're actually going to skip ahead and pick out what it says we're supposed to be doing at the beginning of May. Like, that's generally not the way it works. They're just coming as special, especially with special education. It's like, oh, man, that uh, having a set regimen is very important for them. Like, they can be really, you know, discomforted. If you just come in and spontaneously, they don't have any notice or anything. Just oh no no no, we're not doing that. I don't know. Oh, you blew it, you little liar! <laughs> Dang, like, and I'm being blamed for it. Like what? Woo! When you play around with sex, hey, this is what you want for your child. That's what you're saying. I'm cool with that. That's what I went through because I know that's what I experienced. Like hey. I am all right with my child getting 18 years of that. I'm all right with it. I survived. I turned out all right. They'll be fine. It is deplorable to continue that cycle in 2022. That's an easy one that we can do. Help work against racism, white supremacy right there. At minimum, we take away some of this welfare. To have a white woman, like you said, she probably does have all kinds of qualifications or what have you to sit around and do that and be in her feelings like that. 
Are you serious? I'm upset and you always let him get away with it. I'm upset. Are you serious? Like, time out, time out, time out. I'm confused. <laughs> like, are you one of the special education students? Do we need to put you over here with a bib? I'm confused. Like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Get your planner together and teach the children. Like, what in the world? And just having that sort of thing is standard. Having white women in the workplace where they can just throw tantrums like that. And people just, oh, right, yes, yeah, okay, let's get it together. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. I've seen that consistently beyond just education. They can cry, whine, whatever. Just throw tantrums and manipulate everybody around them. Then, probably might sound like it could be the same you know, type of behavior at a lower level. They got the other, uh, the black with the raping tendencies. Little Anthony Broadwater in training, see. She said, I told you, you got to watch him. You got to watch him. He turned around and he put the elbow smash on somebody and got him in the headlock. Now he's going to fondle little Becky. You got to watch him. You don't even watch everybody else. You just watch him. Rape somebody in three. Like, and again, I'm sure he absolutely loves this environment. Like, he just goes home and thanks his parents every day. Like, this, I could not ask for better educators thank you so much I'm so glad that you planned this out well in advance to the best of your ability in an environment saturated with racism thank you so much mom dad Mother's Day coming up soon right Don't know what to say other than it sounds like this sort of thing is pretty common uh, for folks who work in a school environment. I think it's phenomenal in terms of the counter racism and just what can we do to solve problems? What can we do to get him to math? We don't want him to miss out. See that that pattern? I've seen that consistently. You have children that need extra help instead of extra help. They get like the worst. They get the lamest teachers who sit around and whine and cry and name call them and all the rest of it. They don't even do the minimum. She's talking about let's sit around and do read time together where nobody can read. So we just waste time and name call and goof off. Like, are you serious? Then you come in like, uh, well, let's let's see if we can streamline this so they can have better expectations, be more efficient. And what happens and they go, well, I told him, you know, the material's all I already told him, you know, he told him, he, he didn't want to look, you know, nah, he's off harassing and raping. Nah. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, we talked about that before. They were going to do the handwriting assignment. Where are the popsicle sticks? Again, we're not talking about we got to have bricks of gold, $10,000 iPhone, popsicle sticks. Are you serious? That's something simple. You could have that in a little dollar store. Well, not dollar. Sorry, sorry. We don't stop it. You could have that in a small container that you could get someplace. Pla- paper bag. You could put them in a paper bag. Put them in a shelf. Put one student in charge of that. Bam. Popsicle sticks are going to be right here. Go get streamline things. Even give them some responsibility. That way they know what's going to happen and they can be a part of. Oh, it's time. Bam. They'll be on that. I've seen that where students, they're looking at the clock. They know. Oh, bam. Get the popsicle sticks. Boom. It's time for reading. Boom. More time for our handwriting assignment. Whatever. Bam. We do that. Boom. 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 
No. Set them up for failure. Oh, you missed this. You, you, you blew it. You little liar. Now you can't do this. You missed your math assignment. Oh, go over there and help him. And then you don't get to do your assignment. So it looks like you were goofing off that day. So you get another F. Again, you can have the conversation. Where do we want to send that? What educators do we have access to around here? What black educators? Is this the white woman that we want to send our child to? Because that's what it's going to be. Are we going to put this work in before we get to the bedroom? That is a way of honoring Dr. Welsing, in my opinion. Not playing around with sex, because it seemed like she talked about that a lot, unless I'm super retarded. Much obliged, Bay Area Mom. Uh, the number is 720-716-7300, the code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i will nab some of the emails let us see Mm-mm-mm. email number one female victim of racism she writes in uh, i just have a question to those who work from home we do have folks who work from home I wanted to know if anyone notices what kind of memes white people use in the chats, such as teens and slack. Oh, we've had some folks who use this specifically, so we should people might have to write in, but we do have people who they should be familiar. I'm going to study this in my own workplace, but from what I can see, the type of memes they use to express a thought is a way that, oh my God, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Let me see if I can keep it together. Woo. Let me see if I can keep it together. Let me see if I can keep it together. Uh, I can't even get my place back. Ah, my God. I'm going to study this in my own workplace. But from what I can see, the type of memes they use to express a thought is a way they practice racism. I am just curious if anyone else notices anything. Oh my God. I can't even keep my composure to explain this. Like I let me if I have to I have to take a, a sip to kind of get my composure. Um whew, my lord. This was a major story just this week. Exactly what she's talking about. Other folks have talked about this too. Like um during the pandemic, I spoke about this, not even so much in the context of racism, but just in the context of so many people have been working from home or doing Zoom or a combination or whatever. Being online so much is just it's human nature. You get relaxed and you start doing more of the emojis and memes and whatever else, as opposed to just speaking with your workplace vernacular morning Bob morning Helen that sort of thing and all the rest of it my recommendation is hey keep it workplace you don't want to that's what I was talking about all of that aside I think a lot of folks have said that they have noticed the tackiness and racism in the backgrounds that people have the avatars that have been displayed uh, she's talking about the either the emojis and whatever been what the the discourse in the messaging that's taking place. But in terms of memes specifically, oh, my. 
I was at the library this week. Estee Lauder started uh, trending. I don't purchase their products. John Dempsey, white man, can't even say suspected racist. He was fired this week. He lost his $10 million a year job because he shared a racist meme. It is. I'm going to try to share it exactly. I don't do the sanitizing. I did share it on my Facebook and Twitter and everything. I laughed so hard. Oh, I literally I haven't even told you what it's the meme because oh my god I saw it I laughed so hard I fell out of my chair I was on the floor I tried to get up I was trying to get my composure oh my god I have to tell you what the <laughs> and then you have to look you have to go to like my twitter facebook my twitter at until justice uh, facebook.com forward slash the problem is white people. I shared it on the group, uh, my page, Twitter, all the above. Oh my God. Uh, so John Dempsey, formerly employed at Estee Lauder, he shared a meme. It is a Sesame Street children's book where Big Bird and Snuffy, these are two of the more popular characters. Uh, Snuffy's sick. He's in bed and he's got the ice pack on his head looking sick Big Bird comes to visit him someone photoshopped this and they put a face mask on Big Bird and they changed the title of the book to, oh my god oh my god let me see if I can keep it together they changed the title of the book to my nigga Snuffy done got the Rona at a Chingy concert I fell out of my chair laughing. I got up. I was literally on my knees. I was Deontay Wilder. I was on my knees like scraping, trying to pull myself up from my knees. And I the image, I saw it again and I saw that it actually said done got the Rona. Down goes Gus. It is all over. Throw in the towel. Apollo Creed, Ivan Drago. I I had tears literally rolling down my face like the white librarian literally came over to me. And I think she was he's trying to rape me or wait a minute. And she looked and she said, are you all right? And I, I, I couldn't even breathe. It took me a while to even get my breath. I was prone on the ground. Literally, when I got up and saw that it actually did say anyway so I tried to get it together and she said oh you are literally like rolling on the floor laughing she's like oh I should take a picture I've never seen that like uh, uh, I had to wipe the tears out of my face I had to just sit on the ground for a minute I was going to ask her she left before I could ask her if she could just like either close my screen or get that image off so I couldn't look at it but this just happened like two or three days ago uh, where he was fired and gave some lame apology I I want to know when I tweeted it, did he make this himself or did he find this and he too laughed so much that he felt he had to share this with the world? I didn't get that part of it clarified. Like if he actually took time to do the photo, the, the, the done got the, <laughs> oh, 
I'm glued it. I'm playing. I could have played it today. I'm just playing it tomorrow because I thought that was important. Ten million dollar a year job that he lost allegedly. White who don't get fired, they get transferred. So I'm sure he'll be fine. But oh my! If you needed a painful illustration about social media. Hire somebody to operate your social media. If you make, you know, more than five million dollars, it might even be lower than that. But minimum, if you make five million dollars a year, hire someone with an impeccable reputation and social media work history. Run the social media page. Maybe I'll tweet something from time to time that's vetted. Never when I'm intoxicated. But oh, my. There you go. Right there. It's many, many. We I think. uh Chantel shared one she was talking about I think I even had that she shared it with me I call her in Florida he talks about it all the time uh, his white colleague sharing things on social media I don't recommend that you have social media for this type of thing right here however if you want to study this go, you can even make up like uh, dummy social media accounts find your co-workers don't let them know that that's you that ruins the point of it you just want to be able to see what they're posting. You could probably catch quite a bit right there. Like I said, some folks, you can just catch this in your email because Chantel, she said they were sending around. They were I think they were sending around things like mocking uh, straight out of Compton when that could buy Felicia, that type of thing uh, and other things that were like flagrantly mocking black people. It's very prominent, but that one was just this week i'm sure john dempsey is i know john dempsey is not the only one if anybody has an extra <clears throat> like two minutes if you can find out <clears throat> was john dempsey i tried to do an image search but it kept coming up with the actual children's book if anybody can find out did he actually construct this meme himself john dempsey or did he just pass something along that he got I didn't get that part of it in the reports that I've seen thus far. Much obliged. Number still 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I'm proud of myself way better composed uh, than I was the first time around and I didn't have to see the image I think if I had tried to pull the image up to share or anything like that I probably would have lost it shout to my brother Chingy uh, other folks who dialed in uh, commentary to share either on what it's been oh and I had a question too are there other folks where white people talk about their like sexual activity in the workplace do folks have a code to make sure that that gets like cut at the knees like if anything should be cut at the knees it should be that like I am not the one to come and talk to about your sexual escapades threesomes anything else uh, you want to have an affair on your wife or husband or whatever it is you want to get another one no thank you just focusing on workplace activities thank you kindly <laughs> you could even say that that would work but if anybody has something that they use and or if that because it seems like that is very widespread a white person or maybe even several white people they want to come and find the nigger in the office to gossip 
about their bedroom activities that is so and especially in this environment with me too and everything that is so out of this world inappropriate immediately cut at the knees you are not that guy i am not that gal you do not come talk to me about whatever you are thinking about threesome affair whatever thank you come you can use that too I do not discuss bedroom activity in the work. That's another one. I'd use that one too. Like, whoa, <laughs> make it very apparent. Like, whoa, because they know, they know that is so inappropriate. And man, I give you a personal one. My God, I was working. Oh, should still be the coon man. I hate Governor Youngkin. This should be coon man forever. Uh, I was in Virginia. I was working with predominantly white women. These tacky heifers, they would sit around and talk about all kinds of incorrectness. This one white woman, she's sitting around. It was, I hope to God, it was not just the two of us. It could have been. I'll just say for memory's sake, maybe it could have been the two of us. It might have been somebody else. But I mean, that is eh, 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 major error number one. What the hell are you doing, Gus? Anyway, I was confused. I hadn't read Mr. Obviously. Anyway, so she's talking like, yeah, doing the Christmas party and blah, blah, blah and all that. And I'm thinking about having a stripper pole in the house. And I was like, wow, that is kind of crazy okay we never hung out personally anything like that i didn't think anything of it moved on so this we'll say this happened like last wednesday sometime last week so then today she's chatting it up blah, 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 talking about her plans blah, blah, blah. and i'm like oh stripper pole going to get that for the weekend she's like do what if you were such and such and such and such we would be in the president's office right now and i'm i remember i was about to fall over on the floor like didn't you just say that i thought you said you were going to did i say i wanted to come did, i mean i literally it was like my brain fell out of my head like did i say i was trying to prostitute her? what did i call her what did i say what <sighs> i think i stayed in my confused stupor and again i had not i didn't know who mr fuller was i had not read uh dr welsing super confused i stayed in my confused stupor for about an hour or so and after it was just like you know what i'm cool in the game we will not do exactly what i just said workplace as soon as the stripper po- all righty i will talk at you later every time you are not that guy there are plenty of white people that you can talk to you you're a white person you can afford probably to pay a white person to talk to you about all of the area eight fantasies and folly that you want to engage in not me for free in the workplace no less like are you serious and then to turn it around on you so oh my god that nigger tried to rape me he's got raping tendencies been telling you that since kindergarten let's see other folks who dialed in uh if you have a hand up proceed Can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you. Uh-oh. Yes, good evening, Gus. Good evening, callers. Good evening, listeners. Um, in direct uh, response to your question, yeah, I'd definitely in the environment I work in, I am witness to a plethora of incorrect conversations. I tend to try to remove myself or just stay silent. I definitely do not want to 
participate in that. So in that that regard, um, I definitely want to remove myself or remain silent if I cannot remove myself. I wanted to share a couple of things um, with the ongoing changes of COVID protocols in my workplace. I had um, a young man, a young um, one of my coworkers. He has not. He's like, if you recall, I'm subject to the weekly testing or be um, have a shot protocol. So he 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 opted not to have the shot, and he's been testing weekly. And he recently had a positive test back in I guess it was December. And he came back with a, another positive test just recently, and he wanted to go home. But now, you, if you recall, they've somewhat loosened the restrictions where you used to have to go home and um, self-quarantine for a, a number of days, and they've at least um, lessened those days. But now, we, since we, if you have what they, the way they word it, if you they say if you recently recovered in the last ninety days, you can stay at work and just have to monitor your symptoms. He didn't have you know didn't have a fever or whatever didn't display any outward symptoms, but he felt concerned enough that he wanted to go home. He and he didn't know how to proceed. So my suggestion was to put in like I said again we're talking about safety and I'm trying to be more safety conscious, he's put it, I put it to him, he's like, well, listen, you concerned about the safety of your coworkers, why not remove yourself from the environment? And uh, that was that. And for me, and I'm seeing that an additional development where with this program of being tested or having the um, shot, you would have to um, now, as as a supervisor, they want to have your personal information at their hand, at their ready. Whereas before, like I would submit it to a, a website and I would get an email back confirming that I had submitted my recent test results, and I felt that was just just somewhat more intrusive. I'm just following following that development. Um, I have other things I want to share, but I, I want to try to compose my thoughts, but I want to get that out of the way first. Um, I'll meet my line for now. Thank you. Or you can mute me. Much obliged for sharing. Wow, that is uh, the COVID. Now, I played that segment at the beginning. They say, hey, at this point, um, the only place that still has the indoor mask mandates Washington State Oregon Hawaii um, I guess with this fellow I think that's the best way to go about it like just safety out of concern for my own safety and well-being safety of my co-workers I've tested positive uh, I think it'd be best for all concern for me to be at home for a couple of days I think 99% of folks that should be enough given the current conditions uh, I mean I don't know if they need to see the positive test results or whatever it is, but I mean, that should be more than enough. Like, yes, agreed. I guess the only question at that point would be, you know, paid time off and all the rest of it. But 
yeah, like that's safety, man. It's your safety, our safety, everybody's safety. Like, yeah, let's, uh, you know, take a few days off until, you know, you're sure you're feeling well. Never know. And then make sure that we're good, too. And then come on back in and let's roll. It'll be a little bit warmer. We'll be closer to official springtime. And, you know, we'll continue rock and roll. That That's logical. Looking out for everybody's well-being. Say, I say that all the time. Safety excellent way to proceed with things safety what is in the best interest uh, of promoting safety in the workplace like generally you're on very we should all be on board with promoting safety in the workplace let's see much obliged sir uh, compose your thoughts uh, let's see <clears throat> other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, star six one uh, again, no spectating. If you figured out some things that work well, help to solve problems. Hello, man. Be heard. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys, for taking my call. Um, greetings, everybody on the line. I, I just want to briefly say that uh, your story. Uh, or your your report about um, being accused of some sexual misconduct, uh, sexual I guess statement uh, that happened to me at an old job of mine. I was actually working for Enterprise Car Rental, and I was going to pick up a patient. And right before I did, I was uh, I guess this is back again when I was more confused. I was uh, I guess uh, joking with my then manager. A white woman, suspected racist, who claimed to be Jewish. And um, I told her, because she liked to listen to country music, I said to her, hey, you're part of a country gang, because I guess we were talking about something to do with gangs at the time. So I left to go pick up the patron. When I came back, the I guess the district manager wanted to speak to me. And he said that, uh, the manager had said, you said something to her about a gangbang. And I said, no. We were talking about, I guess, street gangs, and I just made a joke about her liking country music. But, you know, it was just all bad for that. But I just want to point it out that, you know, that how, that's how it easily happened to me. But thank you for taking the call. I'll meet my life. I'm wounded. I'm wounded. I'm wounded. I'm wounded. <laughs> I was thinking it was just going to be. Uh, that's not quite up there with the uh, snuffy uh, Rona meme, but that's pretty good. That's chuckle, chuckle of the week. Um, oh, no, the snuffy was there. Oh, second chuckle. Second chuckle of the week. Distant second, but still second nonetheless. Um, I thought it was just going to be she accused he accused me of being some kind of gang member or something like <laughs> no 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 you said something about a gang band <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh I don't know which one is worse that's another one though I could see my brain falling out though like do what we just said and we're talking about gang what in the world like what did I say like I'm accusing myself now did I say gang? maybe I did slip in did I slip and say gang bang <laughs> is this Philip K. are we in another universe like did in another universe 
Did I slip and say gang bang? How did I even say how would I even say that? I was saying you're talking about country music. Country music gang bang. Did I say that? <laughs> oh my god. Oh Woo. just to work. That's all we're talking about. Work. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's what I said too. I would not compliment anybody white or non-white in the workplace uh if it was going to be compliments it would be about their work this is a fantastic report excellent job phenomenal presentation that not your dress your hair none of that just keep it business cut it at the knees anybody they try and come and get into conversations about the bedroom and all of that whoa that is not in anyone here's job description unless we work at the bunny ranch and I don't think this is where we are let us see uh, oh other emails let's get to the other emails then I'll give out the number again email is until justice at gmail.com so last week we had the discussion. I believe someone called in and so they said, so uh, if it was a younger person, they're just graduating high school or whatever, 20 years old, whatever it is. And they come to you and say, hey, a recruiter was speaking to me and they were saying, you know, consider consider the armed services. What would you tell them as a parent, older brother, uncle, friend, whatever it is? What would you tell them? And so we were kind of talking about some of the positives being informed, I think, was kind of a, a consensus amongst everyone. Just be as informed as you possibly can uh, about this decision, if you're going to make it so that you can maximize everything, get that signing bonus and all the rest of it. Now, I re specifically talked about <clears throat> her time in the service and she said she was not informed. She didn't get her signing bonus that she could have got when she signed on. Uh, one of our investors, she wrote in, she said, hi, Gus, I listened to workplace racism last week when Irie stated that she served in the military and they were supposed to pay for her college education, but didn't. I have a relative who went through the same exact thing and he was going to let it go as well. After he filed a letter with his House of Representatives, they did a congressional investigation paid off the balance of his college loans and refunded him the difference of what should have been paid. So I would recommend that Irie contact her congressperson in the House of Representatives and do the same. Hope this helps. Bravo. So, hey, documentation sometimes can do wonder and words because that's all that is. Like, I would say, I mean, this is totally nothing to lose. This is like Shawshank Redemption, nothing to lose. Mr. Fuller mentions that one all the time. Andy Dufresne, writing his letters, write, nothing to lose. Write my letter. What is the cost of a stamp? Write my letter. Write, Warden Norton did pay for the stamps there, but whatever. Write my letters. Write my letters. Write my letters. And then shebang, whole library and books. Write a letter. What is it worth? You'd be same spot that you are now and adjust the amount of time and energy to send off, write and send off one letter. 
and I would do it on the computer so you can save it. Then you can just go back and edit the data or whatever. So that way, if you have to send four, five, ten, hey, especially if you got documentation, time that you serve, school, got your bills, blah, 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 like, hey, I would at least send a letter. Much obliged for sharing the email again until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate other folks with us have commentary they'd like to share. May I be heard? Uh, caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the, the the question about uh, threats in the workplace. Um, the, the closest one I can think about is the, the sergeant and uh, talking about the shank. Um, as far as like a gun or whatever, actually, um, it was a few years ago where they tried to uh <laughs> they tried to um accuse my mom of having a gun uh and it was a, some white woman had a gun and they ran the um the footage back you know as security uh and you know she was uh, very angry about that you know understandably so and the white man came over, it was like maybe like six years ago. And I remember him mentioning something about it. And he apparently, um, I guess he punished the uh, deputy in some way, maybe like suspended him or something. I can't remember all of the details, but uh, I remember like that right there even though I know that's not necessarily like, uh, you know, being threatened, but that's the first thing that came to mind on that. But, and that's true with the surveillance cameras because in the segregated area, we have two bolted into the ceiling, right? And I think the only other two is like directly at the front counter, you know, the, the white counter, pale skinned people, um, so it's two over on the other side, the white side. So I wanted to point that out as well. Um, but it's some interesting things that went on this week. Uh, the first one is the, uh, um, what was it? Employee Appreciation Week or something like that this week. So now on Monday, 
Like I'm just sitting, I'm sitting at the, I'm sitting at the desk. All right. That I've been assigned. And now the white woman now elevated top tier click member because she always get the part out in the, uh, exclusive areas. Like my, you know, my supervisor is the only one that gets that advantage to do that. Like none of the other supervisors get that. It's always her. So she, you know, loyal to the white code. Now she bring in these star shaped balloons. So some gold, some, some of them are blue, some of them are green. So they're going like overboard with these holiday decorations and everything. So she stops in. She says, well, everyone uh, is employee appreciation week. So uh, does anybody want any balloons or anything? You know, what's your favorite color? So the, the two other coworkers that I have in there, a white woman, a black female, they said, you know, they'll take one. I said, I said, I'm good. I don't want one. And so she turned toward, towards me. It says it again. She says, "Oh, you don't want you don't want a balloon." I said, "No, I'm good. I'm good." So she goes and gives them a balloon. This lady, now this is racism, right? So she says, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna put this other balloon over here on the side, like in front of the microfish machine, like way in the corner, because I, I don't want him, you know, said my name. I don't want him to." feel left out but I'm like but I denied it I refused it so I'm like whatever you know I don't own any of this so it didn't really bother me but they've acting real desperate I want to say that word because I don't know it's just a lot of the uh, white staff trying to be overly nice and you know nervous or whatever but I still just stay the same um, and then now to continue this part on a white, another white clique member, a female now, because it's mostly white women in the clique. So she came over, says, "Hey, can uh, can somebody donate one of your one of their balloons so we can decorate for the bridal shower for the white woman marrying a black male?" So I said, "You can get that one. You can get that one right over there." And she takes it. And uh, she goes into the conference room and uses that. Now, after all of this is said and done, later on, the, the white woman supervisor who initially came in there with the balloons, she brought the balloons in there. Like, that's that's extra tacky to me, you know? So I was like, I said, I'm like, is she just, and she was in there too. I said, I'm like, why are you bringing that back in here? <laughs> And then she's like, oh, you know, I don't want you to feel left out or something. So I just, I just left or whatever, you know, cause I don't really, I try not to talk to her. So, you know, I wanted to share that because they, you know, um, they act in tacky ways like that lately. And she asked me about pizza. All right. Domino's pizza. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't want none. It's like, I'm the only one in there saying this, like, I'm good. Oh, she said, okay, well, he he doesn't want any pizza, okay. But they're saying, yeah, I want marinara. I want 
uh, sausage and mushrooms and, you know, whatever, you know, their toppings are. I don't want any of it because they did that today. It was a luncheon. So, um, but my next one is, now they did one for the Mardi Gras, right? So I asked this white woman if they asked her, she wanted to get in the picture. Okay, because there's five people on the um, the majority black side that get put in the segregated area. So I'm noticing in the picture they didn't have any of those staff members. So uh, I asked her if she had been approached about that. She said she refused to get in the picture. And then the black female supervisor refused to get in the picture as well. So they already knew not to ask me. Um, but... I just wanted to do that to just take a picture of evidence because I have some photographs that I want to put in my um, report. Uh, so it's two other females, a black female and a white female, who hadn't even gotten to work yet. So they didn't even think of considering to ask them to get into the picture, the tacky picture they were going to do. So... I wanted to share that because that was something that's going to prove it once again about the segregation. Um, um, my, my next one is I got a report from a victim of racism, a black female that's on the opposite side of the office. Uh, she says something about she took a break and I guess her and the white supervisor walked across the street to get something. I don't know, some kind of document or whatever or something. And she shared something in the conversation about entitlement. Okay. So she has three white children and the, the youngest asked her about what is entitlement. Like, I don't know where he got this from. He asked about the word entitlement. So in her explaining this, and talking to the black person, she says she explained to her white child that she said it's, it's like someone who's a slave owner. That's what she, that's what she told me. So, uh, so she, so, you know, she said she just kept calm and kept her cool and just didn't really say anything for the rest of the walk back to the courthouse. Uh, but she, you know, and talking to me, she was like, why would you use that analogy? Or like, Gus, you mentioned metaphors and things like that. That's an interesting comparison to, uh, to use to explain the word entitlement to, you know, white kids. So, um, that, that was something she shared with me. Uh, I have two more. The, the next one is, there was a, a black person that they've been that they've interviewed for the switchboard. Now the switchboard is on the white side, as I say. Um, well, they told a white a white person told me that. See, she has tattoos on her arms, and they want her to be conservative and cover it up because she is the face of the of the uh, the official records area. I thinking I'm thinking that's all some kind of racist code because she's a white woman. So like, what do you mean the face, you know? Um, so she's out of that position. And so they've been interviewing some people. So a black female referred another black female 
to get that position. Um, and she was talking to the white female supervisor about, you know, I guess the character of this applicant, black female applicant. And she used the term that she's not a pushover. Okay. And the white woman didn't seem to take that very well because, uh, she, you know, she protects the white clique members on the other side. So they are the ones mainly causing the issue. So that, I guess she must've gotten the message that this black lady isn't going to, uh, you know, be calm and quiet if these racist clique females start mistreating her. And I, you know, I want to sit down to go into the interview that happened today where they brought a black female over and, uh, she was just speaking to, okay, the white woman was speaking to the black female applicant. She brought her over to the desk of this uh, black female who used to work at the same place, had the same former employer as this black female in the interview. So she's like, oh, you know, this is such and such. And um, she asked her, she wanted to see if she knew her, right? So I'm thinking in my mind, why would you do this? And I'm thinking it stemmed from her saying that the other lady isn't a pushover. So I think she was being extremely racist, um, not ignorant, of course. It was deliberate, in my opinion, in doing that. But, you know, she was laughing, all right? Not, um, she, she practices a lot of deception. And, you know, I try to stay away from her. But, you know, I just make sure I stay... Um, being professional and I got a compliment from a white person who sent an email to her and they sent it to HR and you know they said um, they were saying congratulations to me and everything and I just said something real simple I said thanks I'm just helping the people <laughs> and that's it um, so they got that on file and uh, that's all I have to share thanks for allowing me to speak Just helping the people. Love it. Love it. Love it. Whew. Man, oh man. Let's see. Uh, at the courthouse this week in the Sunshine State, they accused his mother of having a gun at the courthouse. Can you imagine? And then to have a white woman at the, at the, at the root of that conspiracy. Like, man, I'd have been hot about that, too. I did chuckle. Not that I was chuckling at her, but I mean, just... <sighs> They accuse black people of all kinds of things, smuggling narcotics, drugs, everything, firearms. <laughs> like, do what? Like, what makes you think I have a firearm? Are you crazy? Like, let's see. Uh, the whole uh, balloon situation, uh, it does not get any better than tacky. I didn't even know that this was like employee appreciation week or whatever. Uh, I certainly didn't know that they have like balloons for this week or uh, anything else. Cakes, donuts, cupcakes, whatever else that they may uh, have. I guess, you know, kudos to anybody who's celebrating all of that. Um, I, you know, hey, don't see anything incorrect about a decline there. Uh, I'm good. Like, uh, let's try and conserve trash and what have you. A lot of times they let those balloons fly out in the water and all the rest of it. Like, we don't want to 
clog up the golf and all that. So, yeah, I'm good. No problem. Thank you for thinking of me. What's the big deal? No, I don't. I don't want you to feel bad. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? Man, and I mean, that's kind of like infantilizing too. Like, am I like a five-year-old? Like, I need a balloon to... Yeah. Like, are you serious? Are you flipping... See, like, I can't get a raise for Employee Appreciation Day or week or whatever it is. Like, we can't get like a dollar discount coupon for Starbucks. <laughs> like some... And then if I say, nah, I'm good on the balloon. Well, I'm gonna leave it here for you anyway. <laughs> Come on, I can I could just look at theirs. The other folks in the segregated section, they got balloons. I can just enjoy their balloon. Oh, okay, they kind of be like I, I got two anyway. <sighs> so, then they go. Oh, we we having the baby shower for the, you know, tragic, you know, and uh, we need, you know, can we get some decorations and such? Hey, we got a spare balloon right here, man. Take it. You go bring over and she comes and brings it back. <laughs> like I totally lost it. Like what is going on? They're desperate, man. They're desperate. I can't even understand. Like I thought I said I'm good. Thank you. Like, I'm contributing to the baby shower and all like hey let it be part of festivities I think it would be much happier being in there and hey we got a little colored fellow biracial child coming like let me be part of the festivities I gotta be over here in the corner in the segregated no 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 the colored fella needs a balloon <laughs> I'm wounded that's my job for the day. I'm gonna make sure that that colored boy gets this balloon. They they force black people to eat food and take home hot air balloons at the courthouse. Like I've never in my life. Like, whoo, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, the oh my god, oh my god. I'm wounded. I'm not gonna get through it. The slit now. I have been talking about metaphors for a long time, like years, uh, and saying just be mindful. Most of the metaphors, you know, are just vehicles for white supremacy, racism anyway. Now, the entitlements, I didn't really know where this was going. I'm just, you know, along for the ride. Like, entitlements, okay. Child ass, okay. It's like having slaves. I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I think she said beautifully, you know, I kept calm, did some breathing. But I mean, really, that's one I wouldn't, that would not have tried my patience at all. Like my heart rate would, if anything, it would have been like, we, I hope I do not laugh in this woman's face. Like, man, the snuffy was tough. This might be tough too. Like, but I would have just been waiting. Like, what is the entitlements? with having slaves like the slave master is entitled to pass his niggers on is that the lesson within well i don't know what the the lesson like i that's i would have needed that like man what give it to me again <laughs> like let me let me make sure i got it correctly like what what is and you're telling this to a three-year-old so this has got to be real easy to understand like how do you teach a three-year-old about entitlements 
with slaves. Especially if you're going in the positive, like, because the, the Negra, they're not entitled to anything. So it can't be, you know, these fellows don't have anything. They're not entitled to anything. So, I mean, if we're going with the, the positive about what it means to be entitled to things and or people like the master, she, he is entitled to his negras. He is entitled to even leave them to his offspring or trade them or sell them for a barrel of whiskey or a donkey that's the only uh, did they what was the what was the simile that they gave did she give it to you or uh i'm trying to see i just remember um where she mentioned it's something like being a slave owner or something like that it was kind of uh brief like I'll have to ask her about it again, but she was basically just saying, like speaking to me, why would you use that analogy? She used the word analogy. Um, and her saying this to her, cause she already suspect that she is a racist. And I shared on the program where she said, uh, they, they say the word cracker is like being a snitch. So this is the same white woman that said that. So, um, yeah, that's what she mentioned, explaining to her young um, white son about what entitlement is, and uh, I, <laughs> I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm not surprised either, but that's how she explained it to me. Um, it may be like a better context of it, but that was the way she explained it to me. She said it's like. Uh, being a slave owner or something like that. And then she just went on the house. She responded to it. And uh, she said she didn't speak to her the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then she an obvious click member to a white woman. And then they all in the same chat, you know. And then they got another chat, I think, that's going around too. But, yeah, they have their own exclusive racist chat, I think. Got some memes flying there, I am sure. Um, I uh, I applaud her for being calm, you know, composure. We talk about that all the time. It's like number one in counter racism. So bravo for staying cool. I don't know. At least my you know view on counter racism and responding in the workplace to these type of situations. I don't think you have to say anything. Uh, in fact, I think it's best to say less. That oh man, this is a beautiful time for. Hmm. Hmm. Or a question. Oh. I'm sorry. You get more. I was just really quick, Gus. I I I, I want to add this. Um, it was speaking of metaphors, right? Uh, in the area that I work in, it was a a victim that used uh, a metaphor about the. This is the way she chose to explain 
on the issue that we're having as a department and the supervisor's uh, lack of ability of addressing it. She says it's like putting a, a, a Band-Aid on a severed arm to connect it back to the body. I, I still can't understand that. And it's a lot of the uh, phrase, it's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. So that's that's what I wanted to add to it. Now that, it doesn't get more flagrant in terms of racism, white supremacy. Like, uh, I don't know, they start talking about genocide and they talk about uh, so-called, it didn't, the Trail of Tears starting at their uh, neck of the woods down in the Georgia, Florida parts of the world. Oh, my goodness. Like, uh, I don't want to be the Indian. I've seen how these stories go. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, just all of that. Like, that's the that's the whole way that we think about conflict is white men and redskins. <laughs> Man. And then Seminoles, that's the team of the state, I guess. Tim Tebow land, and, and we're going to beat the Seminoles. Yeah. Um, the, like, the system of white supremacy, it mandates violence. A lot, of the, a lot of the racist jokes are about violence against black people. A lot of the metaphors are about violence. They'll frequently, you know, involve guns and uh knives and killing and that sort of thing bombs that type of a thing um i mean wow a band-aid on a severed limb like that is that is really graphic uh so you're saying we haven't been effective at solving problems okay wow <laughs> we gotta we gotta go through chopped off arms and everything else just to get to we need to be better about solving problems okay let's let's make sure that we're being effective uh, about solving problems in a long term manner okay okay wow uh <laughs> that's that's what I would expect though people when they say it's time to get married, let's go get our rifles posed next to the lynching truck. That's about the type of sinking I would expect. We go out and, you know, probably shot off somebody's leg or something in the process. So, you know, uh, I would love to hear the metaphor, though. I mean, and even that, too, though, what she said, like, I don't know what she said at VGQ victims guarantee qualified. I just I would not. Uh, if someone if they take that opportunity, that right there is another. White people are not ignorant about racism. Now, I don't know what metaphor she said. I would love to hear it. But I mean, hey, she's talking to her white child about racism, white supremacy, according to her own testimony. I'm talking to my child about it. He asked me about entitlements. I said, let me tell you about the Negro. That's what a slave is. I don't know anybody in this part of the world you say we're going to talk about slavery and they put up a picture of Tom Cruise Kim Kardashian Ron DeSantis <laughs> that's not what they do George Washington Andrew Jackson we could keep it Florida that's not what they do find some dark person mm. tell you about entitlements white people are not ignorant about race and, and even exactly what she did say why is that what I choose my child asks me about entitlements and yes let me tell you about the Negro this is a great opportunity <laughs> like really <laughs> huh okay 
at, can only repeat white people are not ignorant about racism and this is the type of episode now I have to think now why that's what I say I don't have anything to say to this I'm thinking hmm about this metaphor let me make sure I write this down do I need to make sure do I need to ask her to repeat it so I can write it down accurately because I'm gonna ponder on this one one of the other things I'm thinking is why are you telling this to me right now are you trying to get a response out of me what am I supposed to think like white white people and especially you saying that this is a white woman who said that a cracker is a snitch like this is a dangerous suspected race soldier why are you telling me this like this seems like the type of thing that you maybe had some sort of scheme and thought about like I don't think this is just some you know, we're walking together and, oh, that's just popped in my head to tell you the conversation I had with my child about slavery. Like, eh, it's been my experience. Sometimes white people, they plan to do these little devious activities. Like I said, we got a white woman there who's doing experiments. Sometimes they will do these type of things just to get a response. Like I think he had mentioned before, they had some random white woman come in there and just talking about Huckleberry Finn and how many times Nigger is in the book. Like, are you serious? This is not a book club. What are you talking about? Why are you even same thing I just said? Now, why are you bringing that up right now to me in the courthouse? Is this what we talk about in the courthouse? Even the the simile. This is what we talk about conversations you had with your children about slavery. What does it have to do with the workplace? nothing that whole salute because who knows they could have recorded that or anything I don't have anything to say about anything and then if you want to give her the stink out and not talk to her for the rest of the day right on but hmm and then I'd be thinking like yeah now why are you telling me that was that something I'm supposed to chimp out and let me give you a piece of my mind mm-hmm. add that to the group chat later uh, the whole thing about the white woman with the tattoos not getting the job or whatever it is. They, I guess she couldn't be the face uh, of the courthouse up front, whatever that means. Um, man, that seems like tiptoeing towards a lawsuit. I think we had talked about tattoos before. Uh, and that's, you know, that type of antiquated thinking. Uh, we're like 1990s and before that, like, oh, yeah, you can't have tattoos all over your face. You're some nigger, you know, Dennis Rodman and all the rest of it 25 years on like everybody uh, has tattoos that are visible all over their arms males females legs all the rest of it Uh, we talked about that like a lot of jobs have had to change their policies uh, about tattoos that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen uh, saying I was denied a job because I had tattoos especially if I already had a job there like are you serious are you serious in Florida no less are you serious y'all are not that far from Daytona Beach and all the rest of it like are you serious in 2022 I can't be the quote unquote face at the courthouse because I have some visible tattoos I'm not Mike Tyson get out and I'm a white person too white woman like oh yeah lawsuit waiting to happen anyway um, the, so now we got to get somebody else I guess who can be the face of the courthouse who doesn't have these tattoos and such I guess um, 
and they're looking like, oh, we might get this this nigga woman. Okay, she might be okay. Well, you know, she's no pushover. What? Mm. <laughs> what? What in the world? Like, why isn't that? You know, something positive like, hey, we need somebody with some backbone. We got these clients that come in here. You might have to push the panic button and tell them, hey, patient, put your mask on. You know, we need somebody with some gumption coming here and working. Uh, if we need any uppity niggers around here in the courthouse, I want to see some pushover. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one either. Put a, put that over it and we'll think about it, Ty. Like, dang. <laughs> like, uh, like that, that right there. That's what I mean. If she had been a white woman, that would have been a total asset. Like, oh, that's right. We need a, you know, woman around here with some moxie. Like, yeah, that's it. Have some confidence in it. Yeah, we'll put her at the top of the stack. Right on. No, <laughs> not at all. Like, we are, we are not going to have any uppity niggers around here acting like you got some self-confidence and want to be treated and adjust. We already got this question asked you nigger over here. We got to put balloons to make him feel good. Absolutely despicable. Uh, and I have to think about that a little bit more. Somebody can maybe uh, give me a give me a hand with the uh, entitlements metaphor and how she can break that down. Unless it's the master being entitled, let me know. Uh, much of lot. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just just one last thing to add to that with the the interviewing process this this white woman right so she says to the black female and they're supposed to be so-called friends um you know what they need to hire a black woman up there because she just would not uh what she said she 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 wouldn't take she wouldn't take anything from them or something and they think that we are weak i'm like what in the heck <laughs> And then uh, the black person, you know, she agreed with what she was saying. But I'm like, like, what do you mean by we? I'm like, you know, a white person has to decide if a black person going to even come in for an interview. You know, uh, and this person also has had uh, children with a black male, like multiple, like three or four. So. I want to add that. Yeah. They need to, they need to hire a, a black woman up there, you know, because they think that we're weak, meaning white women. And these are other white clique member women. Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to add that. That's, that's it. Hmm. That's interesting all the way, especially if, uh, if the, they think they're weak now who is it that they're talking about that almost sounds like the folks they got to press the panic button for and threaten to shank oh that's you but that's i mean you know who are you talking about that thinks you're weak at the really at the court i thought they got like armed bailiffs at the court like, who who was really like these you know punks at the courthouse i'm gonna go in and smack them around and take my documents and hop over the counter if they're who says that who talks about anybody any courthouse anywhere in the world like people are generally on their best behavior they got metal armed white men metal detectors like uh they took my keys trying to go to the courthouse now who talks that way 
Get out of here. And then, and then, like lying all the way, they think we're weak. The remedy to that is to hire a black female? Really? Who is afraid of black females? Do white people, that's what they show you on a daily basis, that white men or white women are afraid of black females. Is that what you see on a daily basis? Like white people are cutting up and doing whatever they want to do and all it takes is Condoleezza Rice walk into the room. Ho, ho, ho. Dr. Rice is here. You know, everybody, hey, ho, ho. Straighten up. Fly right. That's what you all have seen in you because I haven't seen that at all. Phone call to Michelle Obama. Everybody gets their act together. That's what you've seen. That is absurd. And then even where they didn't say we need to, you know, bring in a black female for the administrative. No, 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 no. We need a black female. Isn't this the segregated area? Where you mean for the uh, where where they want her to um, be hired at? Mm-hmm. It's on the white side, but it's way in the corner. So I would say that it is. Um, so the thing is that that's a position or a job that a lot of them don't even want to do. It's like the headset taking that calls the operator and. They've been having an issue there with white women in the past, so it's not going to change. I think it's going to be worse, in my opinion, if they do put a victim in that spot. You know, I still would think of it as the uh, segregation. Hmm. To get some, like, you found, I guess this is a job that white people don't want is difficult or challenging or whatever uh, is cumbersome about this spot. It probably doesn't sound like this is a position that is going to fast track you to the administrative spots either. Uh, so people, the white women don't want this job. They keep having to hire for it or whatever. Oh yeah. We need to put a black female. They're like, are you serious? <laughs> like this is this once again, is how you advocate for diversity, equity and inclusion. And that's what I said. Like, are you serious? So she's on the headset. So who is it that you think, is calling in like, oh, you know, you y'all a week. I'm gonna get on the phone and these heifers get it together, hussy, and get my dumb. really. Who calls to the courthouse like that and gets what they want quickly? Come on, white women lie all the and even now, I'm not calling them liars, and these are grown suspected race soldiers, much less an eight-year-old child. But they are lying. Uh, context of white supremacy. Man, Florida at the courthouse. Racism and you can't even get it together. Entitlements. Entitlements. Let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to get in. Line should be open. Proceed. Greetings, everyone. Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. It is that time again, ladies and gentlemen. The 2022 NFL Combine, which is, in my opinion, (laughs) is the closest thing to 
an auction where the market is black males. This is the, out of all of the combines that I've looked at, this has, this is more dominant of black males than I ever saw at almost every position. Uh, if one didn't know that much about what goes on at such a, uh, event that takes about a week to get through, basically the prospective employees first strip down to nakedness and get examined. This sounds familiar. Uh, examinations from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. They're tested, starting with intelligence uh, and uh, different abilities that are considered to be physical, similar to what took place with a large group of non-white people a few centuries ago on an active basis. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's the, it's the most, it's the, it's the, with the technology, with the technology that, that is present today when it comes to that form of entertainment, they literally, uh, at the end of the filtering, would have the the best product, and I'm using these terms directly instead of people. Uh, they they are, and and they're identified in, as, as such. They're identified as such uh, when it comes to the business aspect of professional sports. Uh, in terms, in terms such as uh, a prospect or a uh, or a uh, uh, he belongs to this particular team, uh, you know, terms of that nature. Uh, one cannot be confused just because a person by performing as such they make you know quite a bit a, a large amount of money more than most non-white people have on their jobs uh i think the the uh lowest salary for a professional uh nfl player would be somewhere around uh three hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year that's the lowest uh payment. Uh, but the offset of that is that most of them don't last no more than five years. The overwhelming majority don't last as much as five years. And with that, with that, that, uh, screening process, you have people who are very dangerous to whereas they can heap a lot of injuries on other players and in turn 
even the one who dishes out the the uh the violence also uh suffers also at the same time but uh yeah it's going on it's going on right it's going on right now uh as far as that concern and uh it's a it's it's almost no different than what was called uh a couple of centuries ago is a slave auction because now I've only seen Matter of fact, let's say, for instance, today, uh, it was running backs and running backs and I, I think running backs. Every last running back was a was a black male. And I'm talking about is about 30 to 40 guys that I've seen in that in this group that is doing their their auditioning. Uh, I think yesterday was office alignment, and that's normally a, a spot where white males somewhat dominate. But that is changing. You have these huge black males that plays that play in these positions, and they getting, like I said before, tested and whatnot in, in abilities. And it looks look like a slave auction, to be honest with you. And uh, just my observation, just just my observation. Uh, I am pretty close with a coach that is on the uh, on the college level, and I ca- I called him to ask a question uh, with this idea about coaching, and uh, and he gave me he's been he's been doing it now for about three four years on the college level. And he's giving me some uh, insight on on that particular uh, job slash profession. And just recently, Grambling State University, where I went to went to uh, grad school at, and I actually played against uh, Grambling when I was uh, in in college. And uh, they hired they hired this white male. Uh, who was a coach at Baylor, uh, who no one else before Grambling was interested in hiring him, and from my understanding, they did hire him, uh, no one else, even other white institutions, would touch him because of the trouble that he got in into as far as clothing his, clothing his, uh, not, well, looking the other way as, the players, the the players on the team, reportedly was involved in so many uh, sexual uh, criminal uh, uh, interactions, so to speak. Even other white institutions wasn't hiring him, but here is a historical black college hired this guy. Uh, one of the main people who spoke up against it which I admired him for doing so was Doug Williams, uh, the first black male at quarterback to lead a team to the Super Bowl and win it. I actually played against him my junior year, uh, and he spoke out against it. He was bold enough to speak out against it. Uh, some if Somehow uh, things came out in a more correct fashion because he ended up being forced to resign. Uh, but – I, it's, you know, 
at at those at those places, I'm like this. The origins of historical black colleges were because of racism, white supremacy. Otherwise, it it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been any uh, motivation to have such institutions. So I'm saying that it's certainly in sports they don't need, they don't need to hire no white people for to to coach any sport uh, at a college institution. The only the only thing that I can see where it would be relevant to hire a white person at a historical black college. If it's a white person who is going to be honest, that is an expert in teaching people how to, as far as in medicine, the sciences, and technology, and also the different instruments that it takes to run the world. Otherwise, I don't see any any interest at all that should be in one of those institutions hiring a white person for anything. And uh, those are my thoughts. Thanks for listening. Spoken like an old racist. Uh, I've known <laughs> a number of white people. Incident. I think a uh, retired firefighter has been one of the ones who's pointed out, one of our listeners, investors, who's pointed out for years that I think most, if not all, of the HBCUs that are named after persons are named after white people. So I guess they yeah. could pull that out if they wanted to about, you know, who's going to work here and not. But I do think there are quite a few white people that are employed at HBCUs working, doing whatever uh, in various capacities like uh doesn't doesn't surprise me we are in a system of racism white supremacy um self-respect doug williams sometimes you have to be the lone voice to speak out for correct things that does happen sometimes um might even be more difficult than winning a super bowl speaking out for the correct thing sometimes especially if it deals with yeah. racism yikes um, and yeah. you won a Super Bowl for the Redskins. I'm never calling them the commanders until white supremacy racism is over. They're going to be the Redskins forever. Uh, as for the combine, like, I don't know. I would have to look at trends. Uh, I have not, you know, done any research on it, but if it's what you say in terms of it seemed like it was, uh, more black males this year. Oh, I forgot our male caller who said he had another thought. I guess you can be ready. I'll go right to you so you can close this out if you have additional thoughts. Uh, but it may be that all the talk about brain damage and everything else and with COVID, uh, I'm sure that that's, you know, having two years of having college football disrupted and high school football disrupted and all of that. It may have been uh, that you might have more white boys and even white mothers and white fathers saying, you know, I don't know all this brain damage. We saw Will Smith in concussion. We didn't watch that King Richard, <laughs> but we did see concussion. Mm. Mm. I don't know. They've seen even uh, some of these white players have been leaving. A number of black players have been leaving early as well. But Andrew Luck and some of these other folks saying, you know what? I'm going to keep my brain computer. That may be having an impact. I don't know. We'll have to see. Like I said, I haven't done any research, but that would be something to be mindful uh, about brain damage. Yeah. Uh, our mail caller, uh, I guess he said he was going to maybe reformulate and if you were going to share anything before we get ready to wrap up, did you have your thoughts together or still getting your words together? 
Maybe not. Still thinking that's yeah, fine. While, while he's waiting, I was just going going to say right quick is that I'm, I'm aware that, that uh, the the black employees doesn't have a whole lot of leverage into, into who they hire and what. I was just a, a, a wish list thought of mine as far as uh, the, the non-desire to want to hire white people uh, that get themselves in trouble somewhere and come to and come to a black institution, that sort of thing. A, a black populated institution. We don't control those things at all. Thank you. For sure. For sure. I've seen that sort of thing before. Uh did our mail caller, did you have your commentary or were you just pondering maybe? Maybe he was pondering. Maybe it was Ponder. Anybody else comments they want to make sure they get in before we? Hello, guys. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was a caller from last week who uh, asked a question about the military and uh, informed everyone that my sister-in-law uh, was awarded a $100,000 bonus. I want to correct that. After speaking with her, she did not get the $100,000 bonus. The reason for this, she took the ASVAC, scored high enough to get it, but I guess there was some kind of system malfunction on their end, and she would have to wait two weeks before they can get those scores back. She did not want to wait, so she took the test again, scored lower, and did not get the $100,000 bonus. I just wanted to correct that. And thank you for taking my call. Wow, that is an ex. Expensive two weeks. Like, wow. Uh, I guess we have, thank you for the update. Moral of the story uh, anytime they have something like that with money, like two weeks, wait the two weeks. You're not there for the grading process. Like, you know, they might have been, we do not want to give this nigga $100,000. Like, let's do it. Yeah, we lost it. Yeah, we lost it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The computer's got gremlins sometimes. You seen gremlins? Yeah, they're real. They got gremlins sometimes, and they just, Arr! test score is all gone. Moral of the story. Wait the two weeks. Get it in writing. Race soldiers have a billion tricks for non-white people total disgrace and these are people that are they say make it that's don't they they come out and shake their finger at Colin Kaepernick we got veterans they came out and sacrificed their lives get everything they did say that's how you get some of the pilots like hey you can go do some time in the military go join the air force and then come out hey I'll fly commercially make a lot of money they did say that hmm Signing bonus would be nice, would be helpful, you know, going to do all that. Mm. Anywho, uh, we will be here Saturday, compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll catch up on what it's going down. The John Dempsey Estee Lauder report. You'll have 24 hours to see the meme. Oh, my. If you need a laugh. John Dempsey meme of the month for black history because I think it actually came out on Monday so meme of the month for black history month wow 
We'll chat about that other thing. Ukraine, there's so much so much dialogue about racism, white supremacy. Still, the dominant theme is white supremacy racism. We'll talk about that, but that'll be tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Much obliged for everyone tuning in. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening or whenever you're listening to the archives. Uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We need fully functioning brain computers to solve this problem. Uh, in addition to being sober, if you are out and about doing things, man, this is not a time for verbal confrontations with strangers. Uh, you want to get away. Think, hey, this could be Kyle Rittenhouse. They may be armed. They may have an armed entourage. You, if you didn't leave your residence prepared to die and or kill right now, exit. Call enforcement officials as you're vacating. Uh, if you're in a vehicle, you're sober, you're buckled up, you're not on the cell phone, doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name calling, no gossiping. Ten stops, small things. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>